than a gaggle of geese. More fun than a room full of wombats. Able to reach huge audiences with a single broadcast. Yes, it's the Outdoor Journal Radio Show. And now, another exciting episode in the adventures of Outdoor Journal Radio. Howdy, welcome back. You could call this part two of the Lodge 88 episode. We are officially rained in, almost snowed in, winded in, cold in, you name it. Uh, we're stuck indoors here. I could think of worse places to be stuck at Lodge 88 on a snoggy lake. Uh, I'm Angelo Viola. He is Peter Bowman. Howdy as well. How do you, you go like for this it, howdy? Uh, how do you like being tucked indoors? I, I hate it. I don't I know. like it because I, I see that lake right there. It's full of walleye. And I even know. in these conditions, I know we can dress for it. It's that rain that we can't shoot in. So we it's, can't uh, shoot it. That's it's the problem. killing me. But that's okay. I think the only okay. people who would enjoy that is you and me. I don't think the crew would enjoy that at uh, all. Dean, Dean would do it. I think <laughs> Dean, Dean would, would do it. it and Mason would guide in it because he has to guide in it. And he'd probably go by on, on his own for whitefish out front here too if he wanted to. So if we could just uh, kind of set the stage here for a moment. We decided that we would do sort of a part two to the original uh, episode that we produced here at Lodge 88. Um, we've got uh, in the studio a makeshift studio. Actually, this is the meeting room at the lodge, which is a beautiful little corporate setting, uh, sitting in with us, uh, as well as Dean Taylor. Come on now. Thank you, Dean. Is, uh, Nikki V. Give me a hell yeah. 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 Hell yeah. uh, Hell yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Mason Hooger, who is the guide in these parts. Uh, the newest guide here at Lodge 88, wonderful young man. Hails from Southern Ontario. Sure does. Port Perry or better Area. yet. Uh, Little Britain. Little Britain. Little Britain. Just outside of Port Perry, yes, Ontario. Sir. So certainly in our That's a great name for a town. Eh? I, I'm from Little Britain. That's just a great name. I love that. I had a carpenter one time on a construction site I was working on who is from Little Britain. The only other person other than uh, Mason that I've ever met from yeah. Little Britain. Yeah, it's uh, pretty small. Pretty small little Noel. town. Noel. Mm, don't remember. I almost got it. Joya Noel. No, no. You're just making fun of me. I'm trying to recall. <laughs> I'm trying to use my memory. So anyway, so we decided that what we we would do today is uh, make use of our time and have this podcast. So, and we're, uh, sort of a form of Q&A that we've done so many times that uh, you, the listenership, has enjoyed and told us that you wanted to hear more of. Well, and so, they participated. They loved and, to send and the participated. questions. Right? But, but unfortunately, because this was not sort of in the queue and there was really no preparation for it, we could not access the uh, questions that are in uh, the 45-gallon drum that Dean works out of to pull questions out of back at the home base at Pine Post Productions. So we thought, what better place to go around the camp and ask uh, some folks who are very familiar with the show and Pete and I, uh, some of the fans who are here to just sort of uh, ask questions that you've always wanted to and never had a chance to. So Nick went around earlier today and sort of gathered all the questions that we're going to answer here in a couple of minutes. But the biggest, most exciting part is uh, the, uh, the second part of the show will feature a question um, from Mason, who has been with us for the last couple of days in the water. He's going to ask us a question. And more importantly, I think, than that, Peter and I are going to ask each other questions. And, and Nick, Nick, Nick and, and Dean. Nick, and Nick and Dean, sorry. Sorry, don't exclude the boys. Why are you, why are you forgetting about us? Well, sometimes that happens. You know, eh? 
That's the no. first question. Why do you always forget about Nick and Dean? That's, That's a remember. great question. Hey? That's I don't have to answer that one. <laughs> so anyways, uh, sit back, enjoy. It's kind of a off-the-cuff program, not that they're not all off the pretty cuff, much. But pretty much everyone. We go, we go, we stay, we're, you know what? We're pretty good with script. Lately, we've been pretty good with scripting. I'm you get, say, think we're getting better? I think we are. Well, back in back in the Outdoor Journal radio days, we get, oh, oh my God, off tangent. And anybody that produces, where the hell is Angelo going, yeah. Pete? What are you doing? I thought you were hearkening <laughs> back to Outdoor Journal television scripts that we used to have to do oh, we did at the beginning of every show. We did those pretty good, didn't we? Holy smokes, good. Have you looked at them lately? No, I don't watch that. I said, stuff. how in the hell... Did we ever memorize? Because we had to memorize those I know we had to memorize then. that stuff. Woo, in horrible. front of cameras? Oh, my God. It was, yeah. uh, I could never do that today. What we did back then, I could never do that today. But good. anyways. Good. That means we won't be doing it again? Not in the near good. future. Good. Thank Maybe, you. Maybe we, these guys can do it When we us. get a little young older. Lads. When we get a little older. Yeah. I'm going to memorize um, the beer label on my bottle that I... Going to be drinking when I'm older. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, before we get all that, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun show. Before we do that, uh, let's just remind uh, all you folks about FishingCanada.com, more importantly, FishingCanada.com, the store, or shop at FishingCanada.com, as it's officially known. There's all kinds of goodies going on there right now. If you're looking for the FNC swag outdoor journal uh, stuff. That is the place to I am be. wearing right now. A the lovely Fishing Canada hoodie and it is so damn comfortable. It I is have a, to say. And you look really, very attractive. I don't mind well, telling you, sharing this with you. You look very attractive in that. Thank you. What's okay. the hat looking like? Oh, I don't have one. Sorry. Right. One on. Okay. Well, it's headphones, how they look. But you did yesterday while we were shooting and I have a few times I wanted to remark at how uh, wonderful you look. I'm surprised. There's a, that's yeah. question number two. Why don't you tell me, Angelo, I look good when I look good? <laughs> uh, anyways, all happening at fishcat.com. And uh, don't forget, it's the portal, the very gateway to your next fishing adventure. You want to know something about fishing, what, when, and where? Uh, fishingcanada.com is where you need to be. Yeah. How about uh, yeah. how about um, some uh, some kindness our way? How about some love, Peter? Can folks uh, send some love our we way? We would love for reviews? them to. Yes, I believe it's an Apple podcast, right, Dean? That they can leave reviews. Yeah, and, that's right. And the ratings. For yeah, us. Apple helps us the most. You can leave comment on Spotify now, but oh, you oh, okay. can. Okay. You can. They added it, but to be honest, it doesn't do a whole lot for doesn't us. Doesn't do a lot. So it doesn't matter. They it's can nice still if they can still Spotify. join yeah. in. Yeah, if they wanted to. So you but. can respond directly to episodes now. On oh, Spotify. cool. When yeah. did they do that? When did they start that? Uh, about a month ago. Good. Yep. Excellent. So there you go, folks. So, so as soon as, like, even when they're listening to this thing, if they don't like it mm-hmm. or they like it, yep. while they're listening, yep. they can just go to the review section and punch it up. Yeah, you scroll all the way down and there should be a spot there to leave a review. Hmm. There I you might, go, buddy. I might go and review it myself, depending on how you do with the questions and answers I got for okay. you. Okay. Okay, I'll, 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 I will. Uh, I will base uh, my questions and answers uh, the way I uh, perform in the upcoming event here, <laughs> as to try to get the positive review out of Angelo. At least a so, three out of five. Right? So let me make this At perfectly clear: neither Pete or I had a whole lot of time to prepare for this, but more importantly, neither Pete or I know what we are going to ask of each other. Just like the and, rest of the questions, we haven't seen any of these questions. No, right, so. no, but but coming from you and from me. Uh, they're apt to be a little more personal and they're apt to be a little more uh, putting the other person on the spot, perhaps. Ooh. So I'm really looking forward Uh-oh. to this. Wait, can I change my questions? Well, I too late to... now. I gave you the whole dealio right up in he front. He gave me five minutes. Oh, I, need, I need five days that's... to do this. 
as Jimmy a question Con- a day is the immortal words of Jimmy Conda. That's just bullshit. Well, All I right? think I need more than five minutes to yeah. do this properly. Already, he's he's tapping out already. Nick, you've got uh, some news for us. That I do. So I just saw this article a little bit ago. It was by Josh Pringle from CTV News Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And it's about an Ottawa man who gets a $10,000 fine for illegal walleye haul in northern Ontario. Whereabouts? Oh, Did it say where? Yeah. It does. So an Ottawa man has been fined $10,000 for catching 10 times the allowable amount of walleye <laughs> while fishing in northern Ontario. The MNRF says that a Thunder Bay court heard that in June 2021, conservation officers received information that a group of individuals at a remote fly-in fishing camp on Whitewater Lake, north of Armstrong, Ontario, were in Mm. possession of several bags of fish. Several bags of fish? Several. That was just the tip they got. So the COs stopped the vehicle near Thunder Bay and discovered a cooler containing eight bags of skinless fish and one full large northern pike. Okay, so eight wow. bags of skinless fish, I mean, depending on the size of the bags. Could be a lot of fillets in there, for so, sure. In terms of fillets, they had 140 pieces of fish. Oh my God. How many guys? 140. So how many guys? How many guys? People? Guys, it uh, doesn't say, okay. unfortunately. Okay. Uh, but so totaling four 40 fish. walleye and five northern pike, putting them uh, way over way their over limit it. of four so, walleye and four pike. They had 40. And so they also broke the law, not just in being uh, having too many fish, but I know one of the stipulations, if you are transporting fish, is that they have to have some skin on them. So a one inch by one inch piece of skin to identify. So my first question would be, how did MNR identify that there was 40 fillets of walleye and and, then so many of this and so many of that? So the, the guy who was driving got the possession charge of this fish and he admitted in court. He pled guilty. Last month, um, so that would have been in April. Okay. And uh, the legal limit, he was over the legal limit, sorry, of possession of fish packed in a manner that could not be easily counted. He was fined $10,000 and is prohibited from possessing an Ontario fishing license and engaging in any fishing activities in Ontario for over a year. That's not long enough. Yeah, that's, that's I, I a, think that's a slap on the wrist. Yeah. It's still ten grand. Ten grand yeah, is not bad. Ten is not bad. I don't mind that one compared so, to. Uh, no, usually they're a thousand dollars for something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, really? Now but, it keeps referring to him as an individual when, in fact, the story started out as a group of anglers. It doesn't identify. It, nobody else was charged. So I don't think anyone else. Them. I think he he said they're all mine. So ah, he probably bailed out his buddies type of right. idea. Yep. And yep, he took sure. the bullet. He totally he, took the bullet for his yeah. friends. And his friends are probably going to split that ten thousand dollar fine with him and that'll be yeah. it see I, I i like him i hate him a little less now having heard that because he did take one for the team mm-hmm. and i think the the loyalty factors you but know, you never worth. know the guy's attitude maybe say let's keep them all just piss on it. let's keep them all boys and then they said well, you know oh maybe, so he was maybe the one who the, started who that knows out. right we don't yeah. know that and they said no we should i'll take the fine don't worry i'll take the fine who knows? That's true. I never right. thought of that. I think it'd be difficult to convince a bunch of guys to keep 40 walleye and five pike and no, then totally skin them, so put them all in the truck. Right? Yeah. I I, that's a damn yeah. hard argument to not yeah. have, you know, even and, just the fish thrown. And do we have the person, the individual's name? No. Totally wow. anonymous. Wow. Totally see, anonymous. That, see, that's wrong. Usually they do. Usually yeah. the MNR puts it out, right? Yeah. This article that I found on CTV News is nothing of the sort. That's strange because once they're convicted, I think it should be fair game. You can't Public do knowledge. it prior to convictions, obviously. Yeah. But once they are uh, convicted in a court of law, why would they be any different than any other criminal? Yeah. 
It probably oh, yeah. has something to do with him pleading guilty. Maybe there was some sort of oh, plea deal. Bargain. It probably was a plea bargain because ah. he said he pled guilty in court. So maybe that's, that's his way out of kind of hiding from the public on that one because yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. Now I don't like him anymore. It is what it just, is, yeah. I guess, in terms of that. But a $10,000 fine is a hefty amount of money. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Especially, let's say it's only four dudes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of fish. And it's a lot, a, lot of of, a lot of crime. Yeah. There's no need for that. Yeah, There's yeah, absolutely yeah. no need Absolutely. For that. They're, they're obviously going to sell that fish or try to do... It, it's... Too oh, you th- I never even thought about yeah, that. Yeah, 140 pieces of fish for out of toady or out of 40 walleye. I have it's uh, just a lot. I'm gonna confess. I have made the mistake <gasps> once you have of, a confess? Uh, of uh, transporting fish completely skinless, completely skinned, and it <gasps> oh was by god. total accident because we were going to eat them a couple of days before, and then we thought, oh my god, it was fish. We didn't eat them. We're, we can't leave them here. It's going to rot. We're going to throw it away. I says, no, I'm not going to throw it away. We're not even thinking I'm transporting because wow. they're already ready. Brought them home. And then I didn't even know until I was home because I could have got pulled over and charged and said, what the hell are you talking about? And I went, oh, and then I got home and I said, holy shit, I just transported That's... these fish without a square on them because they were ready for the pan, right? They were all ready. To and you the would pan. have been charged. Yeah, I would have. It Justifiably been, oh, so. Yeah. I'd have taken it. I said, yep, I, I screwed up. Wow. Yeah. So. Do you remember the time we got stopped in Northern Ontario? Yeah, with the, the dogs. MRF with the dogs. And that everything. was the best. That was the most bizarre thing in the world. I, I, that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to it. Yeah. There was an actual roadblock uh, in Northern Ontario. I, I don't recall where we were coming out of. Do you? No, it was probably like, I, I think it was Fort Francis Dryden, something like something that. Something like that. that area. We, we had been on the road for a week or two uh, doing episodes. So we were dragging FNC. Well, at that time it wasn't FNC one. It was just a, a regular Princecraft boat, but. Uh, we were uh, heading home. We were done for our shoot. We were heading home, and all of a sudden, the traffic started backing up, which was totally unusual out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we uh, we discovered that we, in fact, were all being pulled over to for MNRF to, at the time, it was only MNR, um, pulling everybody over. And they had these uh, dogs, sniffers, that yeah. were jumping and walking all over Sniffing boats. For, uh, more for Bear gallbladders yeah. and and fish and, and fish. everything like that. Yeah. And and my first fear when that happened was, oh my god, we're going to get busted because we didn't have anything illegal in the boat, but the boat had been full of fish all week. I mean, mm. there had been walleye all over the boat and stuff. We and I thought the dogs were going to sniff it for sure, and they were going to tear apart the boat trying to find some illegal. Thank God fish. they weren't cocaine and heroin dogs. We'd have been done. We'd have been done for, for sure. Thank goodness. So the walleye was the only thing we were worried about. <laughs> Dumb dogs. Uh, no, but uh, so anyways, and, and so when it was our turn, when we got up by this time, by this time we got talking to the officers, and they were well aware of who we were. But we're like coming up next in line to get sniffed. And I and I said to him, I said, because what the dogs were doing, they were jumping all over the boat, sniffing. And if they, I'm assuming, smelled fish, they would let the cops know, the, the officers know. And then they would have to start opening up doors and, I guess, floors or whatever. And so as I'm talking to the officer, the CO, I said, you know, you know what we do, right? He said, yeah, yeah, no, I know what you do for a living. I said, well, that boat has had probably 150 walleye on and off it all week long, and I'm sure that there's some remnant somewhere. He said, well, don't you, you don't have to worry about that if you got nothing to hide. Said, okay, so dog jumps up in the boat, and he's walking around. About 10 seconds, 15 seconds on the boat, and he jumps off. Yeah. And I said, what in the, how... Like there should be all kinds of fish smell in that boat. He says, that's not what he's looking for. And he's looking for specifically carcasses. 
a fish or gallbladder bears, like all that stuff. So the dogs are very, very so well trained that it doesn't matter that if you had a walleye, you know, drop on the carpet and it, and then live released it, or if you had baits that you know were in walleye. Mm-hmm. Dog knows better than that, and uh, he just on and off. off and it went. proves the, the sense of smell is so strong with a dog, oh. so accurate and strong, but precise. You know? Yeah, yeah, very specific. Yeah, they right? know. They'll 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 <laughs> sit. And you watch that. Uh, what's that show? The TV show um, for. Uh, Border security. Border security, whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. You watch those dogs. It's They're incredible. Some, they run Boom, sit their ass right down beside a suitcase and that's okay, buddy, you're getting pulled over. It's, it's unreal. friggin' unreal. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, that uh, so that was kind of uh, interesting. But is there a moral to the story of this news uh, event? Don't poach. Don't poach. How There's the moral. Two Don't words. poach. Don't poach. How simple would life be if that was uh, the case? Anyways, uh, sitting in with us, as I mentioned at the top of the program, is uh, Mason Hoogers, who is a guide here at Lodge 88 and has been for uh, a year or two. And he's from our neck of the woods in southern Ontario. And we asked him because he's very familiar with our brand and the show and has been watching uh, for quite some time. So we said that we would have him lead off the fan questions this week. So if we could... uh, How are you, Mace? I'm um, good. How are you, Andy? Good. A little disappointed about not being out today, Albana. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's... He was out today. He was out this yeah. morning. Oh, yeah. You went out this morning, didn't you? Yeah. I was out for a bit, but it wasn't worth it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you ever hate that part about your your job? Like, are there days where, you know, you, you're obligated because you have customers and there's nothing you can do. You have to take them out. Are there days where you say, my God, why did I pick this as a career choice? Uh Actually, no. Like, I just love being out there. He's young, right? Remember, yeah, he's true. young. That's true. They, they, they just have uh, veins of steel. You know oh, what I mean? my God. So they can take it. Are you, would you, Mason, right now, after spending that morning out there, would you rather be in here right now? Not with the podcast, just in this nice warm room or out there fishing? Okay, yeah, you got me there. I'd rather be here. <laughs> okay, good one, buddy. <laughs> All right, Mace, you're up. Uh, what is that one burning question that you've had to ask the Fishing Canada guys? Never had an opportunity and probably never thought you would, but here we are. Uh, I was wondering, what is your favorite outdoor journal, TV, memory, or shoot? Wow. I love that nice question. Nice one. I love that question because normally we get Fishing Canada questions. Not that I don't like those, uh, Mason, but... Outdoor Journal was a very a special part in our lives, as you know uh, or may not know. Uh, we spent nine years doing that series, and it was we, at the same time that we were doing the Fish and Canada show, if you can imagine. So it wasn't unusual for us to fly back from New Zealand and uh, come in and get a change of underwear and go up to Yellowknife and do a Fish and Canada episode, and then from there fly down to Costa Rica and do some. I mean, it was just an insane nine years that mm. still to me to this day are are very surreal oh, yeah. I, I just don't like that question it. right now has got me ripping my mind is just oh, going in circles God. right now just thinking which one which one which one wow i'll tell you okay if, if i can preface the question with a question was el salto an outdoor journal shoot i'm assuming so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say yes but no I'm going to say yes, but no. And I'll tell you why I think it's a no. El Salto, by the way, is our bass fishing trip down in Mexico. Mexico, The reason I say no is because actually we were in Mexico because we had been won by a contestant 
for a Fishing Canada giveaway of all things by Muscall, I believe. Yep. Yeah, and that's what it was and for that, that contestant, to the trip to, for was to go to Mazatlan and billfish with uh, right. Pete and I. So, no, not that not that portion of the bass portion. No, I know, so but, but it was part I, of the show. So if we I remember, were a fishing Canada show. We did the we did the no no. Oh, uh, we did a couple. Oh, did we? Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't only. Okay. I think we did two or three yeah. where we cheated. Fishing and Canada, <laughs> exactly. We, Slash Mexico. It's funny. It's funny because we we were all we whatever we get together with uh, the other uh, Canadian fishing shows, we always bust their balls about because. They a lot of them will shoot outside of the country. Uh, one in particular that uh, is doing a lot of that even to this day, and we we kind of joke about it because yeah. if you got Canada in the name of the product, you you need to stick your butts here in Canada. Yeah. Period. That's our belief. Yeah. But back in the early days, we did and we took advantage of our traveling um, with the journal, and we did some some of both. So. I'm going to say that that was probably a Fishing Canada episode. I'm going to say that. Okay. But I'm not 100%. If anybody listening out there is more familiar with the, our product than we are, you might want to uh, send us a quick note and uh, rectify that. <laughs> well, you know? I'll exclude that one. Yeah. Feel but, free uh, to send it to the new Outdoor Journal Instagram. Oh. At Outdoor Journal Official. Nice. You can send it right there. Nice. We'll get it in real time. Nice. We'll send her down. Well, we can't. We got no signal now, do we? Well, I'll get it at some point. Oh, okay. All right. Almost real time. All right. So answer the question. Uh, Then I would have to say our Amazon River adventure. (gasps) I I just absolutely love that from start to finish. We went down. Again, it was fishing. It's what I love most probably in this world. And we went down for uh, peacock bass, got a bunch of uh, parabilla catfish. We uh, caught red-tailed catfish. We caught... Payara, Payara, those we caught were the best. Uh, small arowana and the whole ex- and piranha, tons of piranha, uh, and it was just an all around great experience. We fished the Amazon River and we fished a couple of one or two inland lakes, uh, little uh, inland lakes for peacocks. The guy with the electric eel got a shock off that that's uh, electric that's eel, right too. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, zapped yeah, yeah, yeah. the shit out of him six hundred and something volts or whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, it was just a, an incredible, an incredible trip. Sleeping on a houseboat, you know, in a hammock. Uh, outside, uh, the howler monkeys uh, at night just making the most eerie noises and all that stuff, eating food we didn't know what it was from some kind of bird that we didn't know what it was. It's just a great... Playing the guitar at the at the uh, over the campfire, drinking beer at night, you drinking know? Beers yes, at it was just a... To me, it was just a What an adventure that was. I, I think um, one of the most... I'm going to ask you first, what was your most... the most memorable... Uh, moment from that trip the single i know there's a ton of them try and pull one out because i have one that, that one we talked about the other day that giant crocodile really sticks <gasps> in my mind it was like the biggest wow monster i've ever seen in my life like we, tell was, folks what happened on it was that. just you know we we were seeing all kinds of caiman crocodiles which are small they're all like four or five footers or whatever like that and they're nasty little buggers but they're not a real like a, a true giant crocodile. And then we got done, went down the river and, and our guide, Leo, or Aju, one of the two of them says, Cocodrilo, Cocodrilo. We go, what the hell? And we turned around and this friggin' monster was sitting right in the river in that dirty, rotten Amazon water. And we sat there. They wouldn't let us get too close to it. We were sitting, getting all the video and images of it. And then all of a sudden it went under the water and a boy says, out, let's Quick. go. And it was let's going go. to the camera board, yeah. I recall. We said, let's oh leave. So God. so that's probably one of them. Or yeah. or when we went over that, uh, Todd and I and, uh, and Leo went over that berm in the middle of the night chasing the, the Cayman crocodiles. Cayman on the other side. Like that, just, it was just, I don't even know if I have a... Uh, mine were uh, were two, the, because we you mentioned the uh, the hammocks that we slept in on the on that old 
I don't even know. You called a houseboat, but it was more of an old beat up barge like, yeah, of some yeah, kind. Yeah, it wasn't really a houseboat. All rusted up, and yeah. uh, we had to sleep out on the deck in these hammocks. But the earlier part to that, before we embarked on the drift down the Amazon, we stayed in uh, some tree houses. You yeah. remember that? Yep. And the memorable part there was what in, and they had these toilets. They had a toilet up in the treehouse that you uh, you you could use. And on opening the lid of that toilet, there were the poisonous little colorful little uh, frogs. Tree frogs. Tree yeah. frogs. Yeah. That we were told right away uh, not to touch. Don't let them land you know, on your wood. Yeah, don't let them land on your <laughs> on wood. Your and tree. they were in the toilet. That's where <laughs> they lived. So it was pretty hard to use the toilet at the time. But. Yeah, we got you were very cautious of lifting yeah. the toilet seats after a while. Eh? And the other part was that moment where we first saw... The, as Pete mentioned, the water in the Amazon, you would think it's pristine and clear and stuff. Ugh. It is the most off-colored water yeah. we have seen anywhere in the world. It is mud. And we were, we were, I think we were out peacock fishing one day in our little skiffs. And we were surrounded by these pink. At first, it was, when I first saw the first one, it almost looked like a human that was kind of porpoising around us. And they were the uh, freshwater um, porpoises that live in the Amazon. And they are like pink, like skin. And they're big too. Pink, and they're massive and yeah. they live in this mud. And they were porpoising all around the boat and it was so cool to see And they that. So chase surreal. down your peacock bass. Exactly. If you get a peacock bass exactly. out and, and release it and it's sort of slow, they yeah. eat it. So, But all great memories. I mean, uh, that... It's maybe a little far-fetched, but that would be a bucket list for anybody oh who's into, into it's such a cool fishing trip. and, and such rivers a cool trip. And, yeah. and whatnot. Yep. You don't even need to fish to go down there. Just, no. just the Amazon adventure. I'm struggling. The reason I'm, I'm answering your question for you, I've tried to help you with yours, is because I'm struggling with mine. There were so many great moments that um, I personally experienced during the taping of that series. There, was, there were probably seven or eight all-time uh, bucket list things that I got accomplished during the shooting of the journal. Uh, one of them being racing. I love, I love racing vehicles. Uh, we participated in, and it will never be replicated again. We participated in the only Baja 2000 race that ever existed and ever will exist because uh, Stan Fischler, the, the owner and organizer of the Baja 1000, which has been going on at the time was, had been going on for 32 years. Now it's a 60 year old product, but at the time it had always been a 1000 mile uh, race. But in the millennial year, the 2000 year, 2000, he decided, yeah, why not? Why don't we make it 2000 miles? <laughs> Let's just up the ante a little bit. Double up. So, um, 243 cars entered from the normal 300 plus because of the distance, the logistics in that race are mind boggling. You know, it's the only, it's the world's longest open non-circular race. In other words, it's not on a track that has a beginning and an end all in one piece. This is a linear line running from the top of the Baja Peninsula right to the very tip. And so the logistics of filming it, the logistics of uh, running it, the logistics of everything about it are just incredibly difficult. Not only for the organizers, not only for the networks. I think CB, 
No, CBS or NBC was taping it. One of the two. Um, but because you, you can't set up cameras like you do on a track and then just tape it all, they had to piggyback cameras throughout the whole thousand, 2,000 miles. So for them, the logistics was incredible. They had a lot of helicopters and a lot of machinery. But also for the actual competitors, they all had to have that same kind of logistics where they could up and piggyback to the next spot and and leapfrog their own teams and we were in that we were in one of those teams that was doing that every night you know that everything would have to pack up and move uh that much farther down the line to to be able to facilitate um the the the, the racers and the circuit so it was it was fascinating we actually got to be in um were part of one of the teams and there was 243 cars that entered the race the attrition rate, by the way, is uh, something like 80% on a normal 1,000-mile race, if, I, if memory serves me correct. So the attrition rate on a 2,000-mile race is just insane. And uh, we finished the race. I'm happy to say that we were the last, the very last car <laughs> last place. to finish the race. And we, we crawled in about 3 o'clock in the morning. And to the uh, stadium, and I remember that's the moment I remember the most, Pete. That's my highlight: is driving into that stadium in the middle of the night, and the fact that there had to be I don't know how many thousands. the fans were still of people cheering us on. in the uh, in the stage in the middle of the night. Yeah, it was. Half an hour to an hour difference in vehicles finishing. They were still hanging out there. The still people still, out. they knew one car was coming sort of. Thing. And we did it on three wheels. <laughs> that was the best the three wheeler. <laughs> uh, so that, that's probably my highlight. Oh, I mean, how can you not mention the polar bear thing? How can you not mention the anaconda thing? How can you not mention the, the Borneo thing? With See, the you would have to, you would have to, because oh. you went on every shoot, you would have to literally go through the whole list. And then to, yes. that, to answer Mason's question, you'd have to say, okay, I have to take that one. You, but it, you'd have to see that whole list in front of you to, to be able to do that how many dives did we do on that show that were just spectacular yeah. oh yeah. yeah i mean it's it's uh yeah. it was a very special part of our lives and hopefully that answers your question mace mace you can also find a lot of the episodes now on youtube we have an outdoor journal tv yeah, so channel we're just putting a, it's basically just an archive at random they're coming up at Ka- random, kind of at random kind of not they're not in chronological order they're in what was easiest to post order honestly right. Um, right. and just remaster what looks the best but yeah. a lot of them are up there now. It's been going for about half a year, I think. Oh, cool. And every week there's an episode going. So that's YouTube, Outdoor Journal TV. You'll see it. Cool. Uh, it was exotic as could be for us, as you can imagine, going to all these wonderful countries. And uh, we are uh, very appreciative of those nine years of having done that. Ooh, that's a lot of traveling. I don't know how you did it married. I don't mm. know how Monique did it. Yeah, you were single at the time, weren't you? Hell yeah. yeah I, know, I know how you hell did yeah. it. I can tell you how you yeah, did yeah. it. Can we go away again, yeah. Angelo? <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. But uh, speaking of exotic. Yes, exotic. <laughs> did you know that your favorite sport fish could be at risk, my friend? Uh, like any? Like I, I, I particularly, I'm a big fan of muskie. Your favorite, how about your favorite species of sport fishes? If that's a word, fishes. Okay, so all of them. All yes, right. Because you probably have more no, you're than talking one, right? bass, you're talking walleye, you're talking pretty much everything. Pickerel. Wow. The real the pickerel. pickerel. The real pickerel. That one would be. Because they a, use weeds, right? Yes, for sure. Well, you know, we know now that the grass carp, uh, one of four species, Asian carp, has a potential to compete all of those species uh, in eating aquatic vegetation. 
You know, uh, in fact, up to forty percent of their body weight is consumed each and every day by this uh, fish called the grass carp. And why it's important to us is because as they're consuming that 40% of their body weight of vegetation, that vegetation is being reduced in our waterways and in our environment, which means that fewer places for uh, sport fish to live in and habitate and cooperate and collaborate and uh, eat, swim, drink, have sex in, whatever whatever they do in those uh, wonderful And now... That there has been some, yes, no, no longer, no, maybe a population. Now we've discovered some of these things. It's very important to be able to identify these crazy little critters. That's by going to AsianCarp.ca, AsianCarp.ca, and uh, .ca, and download the images and uh, learn what they look like, learn what they feel like, and uh, and learn what to do with them. Very Especially important. if you happen to catch one, learn how to dispatch said creature dispatch called grass carp. Yes. Although you could probably ask Mr. Bowman that. I'll, you email me private, folks. I got a good deal going on with that one. <laughs> All right, moving on uh, to the main feature in this uh, episode, and that is uh, fan questions first. Uh, Nick went around camp. Nick and Dean both went around camp earlier today and spoke to uh, people that are here at Lodge 88 on the Snoggy Lake and asked them uh, if they had a question for us, and they have a bucket full of those questions coming up and at the uh before we end the show though today pete and i are gonna have our own little q a amongst ourselves and, and Dean, including and me Dean and, and dean i keep forgetting, forgetting you guys. those guys i Why? know you can't do that these are yeah. there are, we're a team uh, okay uh where we will be asking ourselves these questions how's that that's it there you go start us off uh, all right dean, so or dean who are you not Dean. All right. No. Anyways. Okay, not Dean. Not Dean. That's cool. That's a cool nickname. Not so Dean. We could only find uh, Blair and Nikki, who are okay. one of the couples of the group that's is next that, to us. Uh, Blair and Nikki? Yes. Yes. Okay. All, everybody else is out fishing. Blair and Nikki Duhane. They actually stopped in just to get supplies. Everyone's out fishing where, right where, now. Where, where are they from? Did we know? We do know. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Sud- Sudbury. From okay. Sudbury. She, right. she worked. Yes, that's right. So Blair's first question. Mm-hmm is where do the walleye go in the winter? Because he says that he's found that walleye just disappear come right. ice fishing time. I would say my first choice on answering that, the first thing would be Florida, because that's where everybody goes. All Canadians go to Florida in the winter. Including those so, pickerels. Yes. Yeah, I would say pickerels go to Florida, but we know that that's not the correct answer. I guess it would depend on where what lake. I mean, it's pretty broad broad question to ask where do they go they generally go to their wintering areas and in lakes which uh, not only walleye but uh, most species would have and that is the deepest basin in that lake generally is is um, the wintering areas and that's generally where all of the ice fishing takes place is in those deeper holes we do have a whole episode on this we correct interviewed dr stephen cook in uh episode 50 something 53 maybe so last winter we interviewed him and he did a whole breakdown of what they do what bass do what everything does yeah. under the ice and what yeah. was the name of that episode do you remember <clears throat> i think it might be called the science of ice fishing the science of ice fishing yep. so there you go uh that would be the perfect place to go and check out the answer don't take our word See, for it what do we know and it's, it's weird because fish are so 
sometimes beyond the book, right? So the basin is definitely, like you look at smallmouth bass, for instance, they go to that basin and do that. But walleye, every now and then you catch them on the weed line. They'll come up yeah. in the evenings and they come up to 12 yeah. feet of water on weed lines, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's weird how... I think that's a great point to make at this point too, is that nothing is 100% yeah. in fishing. Just because somebody says to you, those fish are going to be deep, doesn't mean that every one of them is deep. Exactly. And winter fishing is no different. Right? Yeah. So... Yep, when they got to feed and walleye eat quite heavily, especially the first part of the winter, right? That first ice, but they get up there and they move around a lot. And, they, and we, they're moving a lot too. Did we not, if I recall from that episode, did we not learn that fish, in fact, do not have to eat and eat very little during yeah. the ice up period? Yeah, because of how slow their metabolism gets. I think he said they might only need like one meal a week. A and week. That's, and that's yeah. why it... You have to do a lot of enticing. And he said bass almost don't. They don't, they hardly need to eat at all. At all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But it's funny now because you get on this walleye bite in the uh, 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 ice fishing season, and sometimes it's voracious, right? Mm-hmm. You just drop because, pop, because, drop, because you know what? It, they haven't eaten in a week, right maybe. Time, right time, yeah. right place, yeah. right moment, everything, right? But they're so That's, aggressive. And sometimes yeah. it's every night for now, seven days in a row. Now with live scope, I feel like you see how many come in and don't eat. Like once. Oh, God. Yeah. Like That's with that's from yeah. from day one, January 1st to December 31st. Yeah. It goes yeah. not just in wintertime. Mm-hmm. That yeah. goes all the time. So I guess the question uh, would or should be asked is not necessarily – um, where they are during the winter time, but what do you, cause I'm going to assume based on that episode of, I recall the information that we learned on that episode that for the most part, they will not be eating. Mm-hmm. They'll be, they'll, they'll spend less time eating than they will not eating. I guess the question should be, how do you catch them when they're not eating? That would be a great question, right? What's the best way to try and entice those non-eating fish into biting through the ice. And what we talked about last episode, a lot of times it's, like it's live bait. Well, it's a must. Can't, you can't get away with it's not a must. It. Without it. It's yeah. a must. And you have to also be able to adapt by moving and, and locating those fish. Location in the wintertime, I think, is going to be even more important than it is during the summertime if you're you're dealing with non-eating fish. You got to drill that hole within pretty close proximity of where they're hanging out, yep. right? which means you need to go down there with a some kind of a, uh, a, a device that will give you that answer. Very important now nowadays, more so than ever. The, I think the big thing people need to realize is that from fall right through to spring, those walleye in the fall are already thinking about spawning. Well, they're they're producing eggs. They're, they're producing, already, the they've already got eggs eggs. in their guts, which, is, which yeah. goes for a lot of the fish. Yeah. And with a walleye, I think there's a lot of a lot of traveling that goes on. Bay of Quinty's a perfect example. Oh, yeah, Dean, you see them, non-stop. you see them in the big bay when yeah. they're moving. They're and they're going the same direction a lot of times. And mm-hmm. it's like like wow, these fish are not just sitting here doing nothing. Yeah, but, but they're, they're on migrating. The move. They're right. migrating to their eventual that's spawning what I'm saying. areas. Right? That's what you got to think that way. That's a great fishery though, because. I can't think of another one that comes to mind. Maybe, maybe in uh, in Manitoba, um, Lake Winnipeg. Lake Winnipeg would yeah. be one. Maybe it comes close to that, but that's got to be the longest migration of any walleye on this planet down in the Bay of Quinney from start to finish. Yeah, that's for a, some of them, it is for massive, sure. Massive, massive sure. movements, like the wildebeest in Africa, for God's sake, you know. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I, that's an interesting question. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Blair. So number two comes from his wife, Nikki, Nikki Duhane. 
also Sudbury, mm-hmm. and they want to know what the biggest walleye both of you have ever caught. Together or separately? Separately. Or mutually? Or? Mutually, uh, 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 <laughs> jointly. Uh, together, we do it together I, and, and, and entwined. individually. I, we did not weigh them, but for me personally, the biggest walleye that I've ever caught and been a part of would be that day you and I were oh. on that magical day with those uh, sideboards. Yep. Um, my yep. God. That was Bay Aquini again. Bay Aquini again, but it was totally... We had no business at all catching those fish that day. None, zero. It was just total, 100% exploratory mission. <laughs> Only because Gordy. my dad caught a couple of 10-pounders in an area, and I said, Dan, and we were going and it was to the Picton area. It, it, yeah, it, it, we were going to the Picton area, and I said, you know what? Something interesting here. My dad caught some biggies right there, not that long, a couple of weeks ago, a month no. ago, whatever it was. Yeah. Or, or, and, and he said, what? I says, yeah. Uh-huh. Do you know anything about it? I says, well, I know the opposite side of it. I don't know the air. And he was talking about it. I'm not too fond of it or familiar with it. We basically put the boat in, dropped the boards, and boom, 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 just started smacking them. Like it, was, it was crazy. The most remarkable thing, about, I mean, the fact that we fluked onto that because of Gordy, God bless him, was, yeah. was a miracle in itself. But the most remarkable part of it, we had no business walleye fishing that day. It was there was not a breath of wind. When I say not a breath, I mean nothing. The water was truly a mill pond, mm-hmm. flat. It was the most incredible. I'd never seen the bay that like that yeah, before. It's very rare. There's always like some that. wind coming, especially from in, in October, you know, in October. November, whatever it was. And it was mile high skies, not a yeah. cloud to be had anywhere. Nothing, just bright sunlight with no wind but they know the nicest part of that part when you're in conditions like that rare one little tug on on your board oh. your board starts going backwards in that way it's like oh my god here we go you just instantly see the bite it's so and, fun and, and so how many fish and what how big were they well, those recall? fish that day i don't know how many we got but we got some studs i mean we got for we sure we didn't weigh them obviously. no we didn't weigh them but i mean I mean, well exceeding tens, you know. Oh. I mean, well exceeding tens. I but had. but the, the 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 best part was the quantity of those big yeah. fish was, it was just scary. constant. It was just constant. So that would be mine. Yeah. You've caught bigger. I've caught a couple bigger, uh, but again in the Bay of Quinn, it was down at the Adolphus Reach throughout my years of fishing there. And I got, I mean, again, I didn't weigh them just like Ann says. We don't weigh them, but we sometimes put a measure on them. And uh, I got one that was over twenty four inches long, uh, or thirty four inches 34, long, yeah. And another one that was just under 34, but the, that one that was 33 something had a girth on it was like a oh. pig. And then the 34 is a long skinny. So, I mean, for sure there were 14 pounders, uh, yeah. you know, in that area of 14 wow. and who knows if it were bigger or not. That, that 33 incher had a girth so big, it was like, it just looked uh, grotesque. It was so big, you know what I mean? So, but when you hear people talking about 15, 16, 17 pounders, yeah. well, I'll tell you what, that's a <laughs> rare wall. You guys know how long, fish, how many times I've been uh, out there and how many, t- you know, yeah. and, and all my buddies and Mikey Burris has never caught one that big and no. he's been out there a lot. You know it's what I mean? It's like so, the famous Florida largemouth bass, the 10 pound Florida largemouth bass. That yeah. every, it's, it doesn't happen every day. No, 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 you know? no. You get an eight, have... an eight's a big fish, and people oh, going, oh, it's only massive. an eight-pounder in Florida. Well, that's a great fish in Florida. Exactly, you know what I mean? exactly. So, in the Bay of Quinty Walleye, same thing. You get a 10-pounder out of the bay. You get yeah. a double-digit out of the bay. Yeah. You, you, you're in a small group yeah. of people. Yeah, sure. it took me forever to do that, too, by the way. That 10-pound mark, I lived there, and I was so pissed off. I couldn't <laughs> get a 10. I was working my ass off and everything I could do to get a 10, and I couldn't get it. And finally, I got one. I thought, oh, <gasps> thank you. So, that's that. <laughs> anyways, yeah, those were our big walleye for the 
for the question. All right. The next two are actually also from Nikki. She wants to know, have you ever lost trophy fish? Which the answer to that's a yes. So going to lost trophy like lost fish. as in, as in you had them on the line and then maybe they're a heartbreaker, gone. maybe a heartbreaker, heartbreaker or something, like that. You think yeah. something like that. Maybe. Yeah. I know we've ha- we've lost so many big ones that it's just, uh, it's hard. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Hard to say. No trophy. Uh, that's a, a very exclusive club. Um, true trophy fish are not as plentiful as most people make them out to yeah. be. But, and, and the other part of that is that trophies are different things with different people. You know, a five pound largemouth is a trophy to somebody. It might not be to somebody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've lost our share oh of big bass. God. Yes. We've uh, lost our share of big musky. Yes. We've lost our share of, of just about every species. Um, it hurt, it hurts a lot. One? It hurts a lot. In in tournaments, it really kills you. Oh my in a tournament, God. especially if you see a small mouth jump and you get oh, a like, you know you get die. a five and a half six pounder, and it hurts die. really bad in fishing t- television shows. And when we're shooting a show, if we finally waited for three days to get this giant Ugh. and he gets off, there's nothing worse than that. It's way worse than if you lose a fish on your own. So there's a couple of scenarios there that that hurt us a lot when it, yeah, when it I happens. Remember, but I remember all of the uh, tournament. I know fish. one of yours. I know one of yours. Oh, I don't even want to talk. No, about no, it. not I'm a tournament. Just getting over it now. It's no, not, not a tournament. What, what? The large. Speaking of El Salto, that largemouth bass you lost in El Salto. Oh my Holy god! Holy shit! That, we, Would that qualify though? Would uh, that? We didn't see it. He spooled your ass. I know he spooled me, but we didn't see the fish. What else is it going to be? Uh, what do you tilapia? tilapia. <laughs> You so put on big ass tilapia, buddy. What Pete is uh, alluding to when we were shooting in El Saltos, we um, of course we had all our heavy bass gear on. And that's all we used down there, and and the other thing was that we had our drags uh, like cranked. pretty much locked, pretty much cranked. Um, if I recall, thirty or forty pound line, and it was the the reels were cranked down on lock. We're using big flipping sticks. Because these are giant fish that live in there. And the only other thing that lives, and this is a man-made reservoir, and it only houses two things. Uh, largemouth bass, which are their business because they sell trips into these camps. And then to feed the largemouth bass, they have tilapia that they put in there. And there's also some commercial uh, aspect to the tilapia as well. And so there's only two species of fish that live in that thing. So anything you get is going to be one of the two. And Pete and I had been slugging away uh, uh, just smacking three and four pound bass and then the odd six and seven pounder and using flipping jigs, flipping sticks, heavy, heavy line in some trees. And all of a sudden I set a hook on one and that's what he's talking about. And there was no movement backwards. When I set the hook, there was no movement of that fish coming towards the boat. It just streamed out into the center of the of the reservoir and went sounded straight down until he took every bit of line off of the reel. So he spooled him, just completely spooled him. He says, "There's nothing I can do. We try to chase it. We had a, we, I think we had a guide with us, yeah, right, in the yeah, boat. Yeah. He couldn't paddle fast enough, or, or something happened there. Oh it happened so God. quick. It and you know, it was a largemouth." And like Ann said, we got we got them up to nine pounds, and we and we know what they felt like. Yeah. This was nothing, this was like, nothing that. like. I mean, I just watched his spool and just and it, we didn't we panicked. We had the same thing as well. I had the same thing as well on our first trip to uh, Mar- uh, not Mar- St. John River 
Uh, the quiz, quimspampsis there. Right. That one that spooled, that big, big striper that spooled me in the current. And it's, I had 30-pound line on a great big bait caster. It just, had a crank right down. And by the time Ants got to turn the, the boat around, boat, it was gone. my line snapped like a 22 going That was out. crazy. I forgot yeah. about that one. Holy it smokes. It right out. So who knows how big that, that was. That had to be a 50-pound Oh, fish. yeah. How big Every it was. bit of the 50 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I forgot about that. So we've that. got a lot of them if we really uh, try to you're think You're right. About. We've lost more than we caught. Oh, probably. yeah. <laughs> How was that, Nick? That was good. That was good. I think that answers that question very well. The next okay. one's more show-related, in which how do you decide what lodges that we go to? Well, Pete uh, can answer that one. Yeah, so um, we're, let's use Ontario as a good a good example, because that's where we do most of our lodge stuff. Um, we basically scour whatever means of information we can find to find these lodges. Plus we have now a history of, of lodges that we go to as well. And then we, we compile them into a big sort of a pot and say, okay, these are great. This let's, let's try for these this year. And then we have to go through the process of working with Ontario tourism because they're one of our big sponsors too. And then they check, they back check all these lodges. So if I say lodge 88, uh, a tourism, can we, we'd like to put lodge 88 on our list. Well, no, uh, so-and-so shot that lodge last year. So they have to skip a year or two years or something like that. So basically we go through all these numbers, list of lodges, they come back with the yeses, and then we go back and say, okay, of all yeses, which now, we want to go to. Basically. And then when? That's pretty much it. Then and we then we have to when. put them on a board and see where they yeah. fit in in the, yeah, in the yeah. schedule. And it's something like um, Northern Rockies Lodge in BC. Ooh. We were told about that lodge. We looked into it, and we got lucky and said, well, that sounds good. We didn't even realize how good it was until we got there. <laughs> and then we've been there multiple times. So that's, that's so, you know, sometimes it's hearsay, it's information. Um, plumbers, you know, Great Bear Trophy Lodge, we know best by reputation that's one of the right. best lodges ever in the world so we, if we can get there at times you know we'll go to that too so that's basically from our knowledge and from our research and then from working with yeah, the agencies the, I, too. I don't think there's any one particular uh, way that we pick them no. they, they all you're right there there's no. so many different sportsman show criteria. guys come up to us in the sportsman yeah. show hey yeah. guys here's my brochure just check me out sometime yeah. if you could please so or we hear stories of uh, yeah we hear stories of lakes that are uh, have a reputation for big fish and or a species of fish that we want to go after. And we'll kind of put that on our list. And then everything like Pete just said, everything is vetted by uh, a, a group of us. And uh, usually a tourism arm gets involved regardless of what province we're dealing with. And uh, so there's a lot of uh, decision-making by a lot of folks that will lead to us finally being at a particular destination even like this lodge 88 shoot here even though we've been here several times it uh it had been a few years since we were last yeah. year i think you and i nick you and i were the last ones to come in here five years ago i think i think it was 2018 yeah 2018 yeah yeah so we didn't so, get that show done till the last possible minute as last usual hour. So last you, hour. as usual but night not, not last hour it was sunset hour i remember <laughs> like seeing the that sun shot. was going down we were on our way back to camp and he said yeah. we're gonna stop here really quick yeah and yeah, it was it, we were the quick, biggest fish of the, of the day yeah <laughs> crazy so and this the this trip right here this is a prime example so this trip we were thinking of marmac lodge which is a sister company here and mm -hmm. it was just down down the lake, and uh, the government said, uh, the tourism said, no, you can't do Marmac because they somebody shot there last year or two years ago. Yeah. However, if you guys want to go back to 88, you can. Yeah. Ding, which, ding, which ding. Which we were surprised Thank that you. they let us. Done. But, hey. Hands down, done. So We said, don't throw us in the briar patch. Please yeah. don't throw us in the briar yeah, patch. Yeah. But here so, we are. So that's how that happened. Yeah. So there you go. 
Okay. And so then the next question is mine. Yes. Oh. And then I have my list of deeper questions. Well, you wanted to go Dean, Nick, Dean, Nick, Dean, We can Nick, do that too. Like that, back and forth. I don't have much, so you can lead it, Nick. All right. Well, I, I have quite a few for you guys, but I'll start with my right. not so deep question. This is just oh, something I'm wondering. And I could probably Google it, but I don't want to. All right. And that's what's the most prevalent game fish in Ontario in terms of population? Hours spent fishing for or numbers of fish? Numbers of fish. Like what's the one that would be all over the province? We're talking game fish, Game right? fish. Game fish, yeah. Well, walleye hands down, it used to be lake trout, believe it or not, but uh, walleye hands down today in, a, in this province, and I dare say in more than this province, uh, Manitoba comes to mind, Quebec comes to mind. Uh, Alberta. Alberta, for sure Alberta. First kind of comes to mind. walleye population. Uh, <laughs> Pete mentioned uh, a BC location that we love and go to. Uh, they got they got walleye in the mountains of British Columbia. So walleye, I think, will take it hands down today. Uh, I wouldn't have said that 10, 15 years ago. Did you mention Saskatchewan? Did you say that? Saskatchewan, they, they, they oh my got God. A great, great walleye yeah. fishery there too. So Would pike then be a number two? Because I feel like wherever mm. I find walleye, I find some pike. No, if we're talking, Somewhere near. if we're talking Ontario, now if we're talking um, hours spent in Ontario, believe it or not, bass is right up there with walleye. More people are spending more hours fishing for smallmouth bass predominantly, but a combination of smallmouth and largemouth than uh, than anything else, almost other than walleye. So you notice, Nick. Here's one for you to try and put it in, in concept, or however you want to call that of all the walleye fisheries that we go to how many pike do we actually catch compared to the walleye maybe two for every 10 there you go right if that even right so there are trophy pike and there's tons of pike and there's tons of pike in this lake right here and we know there's all kinds of snot rockets the big ones in here but it's just not near the walleye number i don't think they are anyways did a small town sheet metal mechanic come to build one of Canada's most iconic fishing lodges? I'm your host Steve Nidswicki and you'll find out about that and a whole lot more on the Outdoor Journal Radio Network's newest podcast, Diaries of a Lodge Owner. But this podcast will be more than that. Every week on Diaries of a Lodge Owner, I'm going to introduce you to a ton of great people, share their stories of our trials, tribulations, and inspirations. Learn and have plenty of laughs along the way. Meanwhile, we're sitting there bobbing along, trying to figure out how to catch a bass. And we both decided one day we were going to be on television doing a fishing show. My hands get sore a little bit when I'm reeling in all those bass in the summertime, but that's might be for more fishing than it was punching. You so confidently, you said, hey, Pat, have you ever eaten a drum? Find Diaries of a Lodge Owner now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. There's an adventure just outside these walls. It's something you'll hate to leave and can't wait to get back to. It's a place where memories are made and bonds are forged. For some, it's hitting the trails. For others, it's a weekend at the lake. It's a place full of campfires and quality time. This year, take some time to reconnect with friends, family, and nature. No matter what adventures await you, Coleman has the gear you need. 
Visit ColemanCanada.ca to gear up today. The outside is calling. Answer the call. We interrupt this program to bring you the much-anticipated bonus code for the latest Fishing Canada giveaways. This week's code is WINTER. That is all caps, W-I-N-T-E-R. Just type that in the bonus code section of the contest and receive 100 free entries towards all our current giveaways. For those of you who aren't entered, what are you waiting for? Head over to FishingCanada.com while you listen to the rest of this episode, click contests, and sign up for all the latest Fishing Canada giveaways. And now, back to the episode. Okay. All right. So now is it time for the uh, the the big questions? Sure. The deep do. ones. You sure. can do whatever you want. Dean's right. got questions too, so I don't know when he wants to pipe I just down have one. I just have one. If okay. you have one, then do yours now, and then okay. I'll get into my list. So I have a curiosity in this for personal reasons. At a boy, Dean. I like <laughs> that. Uh, I already like so. it. I like it when you make it personal. Yeah, yeah, I, I already like personal. this. I already like this. So do you think? How do you think making a career out of your passion has impacted how much you enjoy it? Because I'm in the process of doing that as well. I've been wow. working and fishing for five years now, and that was yeah. like a deviation off of what I was planning on doing. Yeah. Mm. And all I've ever been told is that you don't make a job out of your hobby, right? Because it right. ruins it. So how mm. have you guys? Mm. How do we that? handle it? Well, well you want to go have first. Have you experienced that it's affected the enjoyment of it, and how have so, you avoided it? So I, I'll, I'll jump in first. Um, when I was your age, mm. there was only one answer to that and is, is affected it in a positive way. Mm. And I am, I have truly been blessed with the opportunity to take my passion and make a living from it. Yep. But there's always a, but it does come at a price. Mm. I have to tell you. And the price is that, uh, if, if you're talking about our business, what we do, uh, the price comes usually with family. Right. right. Because you know yourself. You can't be sitting here in that chair right now mm. without taking away time from home. Yep. So the most difficult part for me and one that, you know, has to be considered whenever somebody is looking to make this 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 journey is how much of that time are you willing to give up? Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And the answer is different for everybody. Yep. And so that through the years probably took away some of the enjoyment of fishing for me mm. only because of the travel. I always tell everybody in my in my circle that if I could eliminate all of the non-fishing part of my fishing career, I could do it till I was a hundred. Right. But unfortunately, as you are now learning, there's a lot more to fishing than fishing. Mm-hmm. In fact, sometimes like today, it's the least important part. Yep. So, um, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be able to do it, mm. but, but it comes at a price. Yep. And, and, and that's the only thing I can, I can say about that. Uh, there are good days and bad days, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I can't add much more. It's almost exactly what I would say. If I if I could get to Lodge 88 in the snap of a finger without having to put 10-hour drive and do all the packing and all that shit, oh, my God. that's Then it's the dream job. But what, the, the traveling is the worst it's for me. It's a killer. We mm-hmm. just did a 20-hour drive 
to go to Lake of the Woods. And although some people would say, oh, that's awesome. Don't be such a spoiled little bitch for hating that. Try doing that every year. And I put them upon them maybe twice a year. And then all these 10-hour drives to the Algoma region and all these six-hour drives over somewhere else and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Drives. How about a day and a half to get out to BC? Yeah, to, the flights fish, and all right? that kind of stuff. So you just oh. it starts to, to jade you. It really does. I mean, and, and it's horrible to say, but it really, uh, that's the fact of it. But... When you get on the water, even on a slow day, when you get on the water, it's the greatest job in the world. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. When you get, when you get to do what you want to do, yeah. like even this right here, this is okay, but it's killing me not to be out there, right? right? And doing right. what I like to do and what I want to do the best. And uh, and then as far as throwing the camera into the mix of fishing versus mm-hmm. fun fishing, it's better than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be sheer terror. And oh my God, the hard parts are, guys... I can't shoot this. The boat's not in the right direction. Guys, the audi- the batteries just died on so, And then you can't do your job properly again. What are we yeah. even out here for? I mean, it just pisses you off, right? There's a lot of, uh, of that that goes on. But honestly, when it push comes to shove, as long as you can get out in the water and try and, and, and you're trying to hone your skills all the time, right? You're always, you're still trying to, to get better. I'm still trying to get better every time out in the water. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, it all adds into fishing time and learning too and fun. So. And the yeah. other part that kind of sucks now that I think about it is the politics involved. Right. Well, that's what I find. Cause the industry is on the inside is different than what I think a lot of people think it is. Like it's, exactly. it's, it's uglier, right? It's ugly. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. It's ugly. This industry. And I don't mind saying this on an open mic. This industry eats its young every mm. day. Yeah. It's, it's cannibalistic. And it's the old goats like me that are to blame. We, um, I, I remember one time I was talking to a not, colleague. Not the 40 year olds like me. No, not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, that's a funny story itself. I, I was uh, with a colleague one time and he put it so, oh, it was so concise the way he described it. He says, our industry, when it's not being, uh, when it's not under stress, you know, travels in a straight line, just like a wagon train, mm-hmm. all the same purpose, one direction, all steering the ship in the same direction. But when there's turmoil, this industry is famous for circling the wagons and shooting inward. (laughs) And you think about that, that makes so much sense. They circle the wagons, but man, they shoot each other. Yeah. And that's this industry. And that's a dirty part of it. Mm -hmm. And a part that uh, I, if, oh, it's taken its toll Mm -hmm. and uh, is hard to deal with. But, but like Pete said, you know, we don't want to complain and bitch and complain because at the end of the day, we get a chance, we get paid for going out there and, and doing what we love to do. Yeah. So that has to come at a price because if it didn't come at a price, everybody would be doing it and we probably wouldn't have a job. Yeah. So. Yeah. And if you get the, the ultimate is let's say tonight or tomorrow, whenever we get out there, we pop a double header of uh 27 oh. and 28 inch walleye. It's all over. We're just we're, laughing we're, we're, and screaming and high-fiving and that's the best thing ever sort of thing. Right? All the so. aches and pains and the cold and the hot and the yeah. shivers and the temperatures and all that just go away. Mm-hmm. So that's what we got to do tomorrow, buddy. That's 27 right. or 28. Done. Double header. You can have the 28. I'll <laughs> I appreciate that <laughs> yeah, for okay. a change. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Go ahead. Nikolai. So my next question actually ties in a little bit with what you were saying there. And I have a lot or a few for both of you. So do you want me to ask 
just you, Grandpa, Whatever all of you yours, want. or do you well, want me to go bounce back, 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 back? Okay. Don't yeah. put all the pressure on back, me. Back, put back. it on him. Well, I'm, like gonna, I'm gonna back, put back, the pressure back. on you for now because you're sure. talking a little bit on it. You touched a bit on it, mm-hmm. and it's do you ever regret starting the show with all the sacrifices that you had to make to be as successful as you are in this industry? And sacrifices in terms of family, in terms of life, experience, yeah, 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 yada. Do you regret choosing this career path at the end of the day? Um, do I regret it? Sure. Sure. I regret it. Absolutely. There are, there are times when I regret doing it because there could have been other directions to take that might've been a little more, um, family friendly for sure. Might've even been a little more lucrative friendly to be honest with you. But would they have taken me to the places that I've been? Would they have allowed me to have the memories that I've been fortunate enough to put together? I probably, I I'd have to say no. And I'm also going to include outdoor journal in on this because if it wasn't for the fish in Canada show, we would have never gotten that gig. So, so I attribute everything we did with the journal to fish in Canada. So the answer um, overall at the end of the day you know, as the song goes, regrets, there's been a few, but I did it my way. <laughs> so. All right. Well, then, if you never worked with the show, where do you think you would be and how would your life be different? Ooh. What career path would you have taken if you listened to Great Grandpa when he said you can't make a goddamn career fishing, get your head out of your oh, ass. That was funny when my dad and, yeah, and never... go get a job. Where would you well, have gone? Where do you think you would have gone? And this um, goes for you too, Pete. So you the, can think about your answer while he's answering. At the age of... Uh, 17, maybe 18, I was uh, a weekend part-time racer, automobile racer. I had a Mini Cooper S, and I was racing 2.5 sedans at Mossport. And I often thought I would love to do that for a living. Um, I might have gone that route. I think I might have, you know me, I'm very driven. I'm very... If, if I want something bad enough, I'll do it. And I think that's the only other activity that I can honestly say I really wanted it bad, but at the time things didn't quite work out. So I'd probably be racing. Well, not now at 70, I'm not going to be racing a whole lot anymore, but uh, you know, well, your we, we, are, in the wall. we are very soon. We are next week. We are next week. You'd have all your trophies on the wall. Now yeah, to look exactly. at, you know what I mean? Exactly. You'd be like Canada's number one Cooper so, mini S guy. Sort so of I would have so. probably gone auto racing for sure. And so then Pete, if yeah. you didn't start working with the show, where do you think you would be? Well, I, I know where I'd be. Uh, I would still be where I, uh, for people that don't know, I'm a I'm a licensed electrician. So I worked uh, in the electrical world for 20 years, whatever, before I came into here. It was just a fluke kind of a situation that I got laid off and then Ange and Reno offered me a job in the in this fishing world. If that didn't happen and I still got laid off, I'd be going back to electrical for sure. Mm-hmm. I would I mean let's look at it. Look at it now. You making 60, 70 bucks an hour, great job. I'd almost, you know, it just yeah, would have been Just to easy. clarify what Pete just said, there's only one other man in this industry still today um who is making a living uh who has a career in the fishing television world. Pete, first of all, for years was the only one. And when I say that you can't count 
myself or Bob Azumi or, or Leo. Leo because yeah. we own the companies. So we're, we can't really say that we, we orchestrate, we built our own careers, but as an actual employee of a company that is in the business of producing television for years, Pete was sailing that ship by himself. And, and then along came Ron, um, uh, Ron, uh, James, uh, James, James with, with, uh, Leo and, Jeff and fish TV Jeff is and then also Jeff and, uh, they would be the only three people. Uh, Mikey Miller. Would he not be? He's an he employee. would be now. You're right. Mike Miller. So, so Malnick? there's four. It's Melnick. No, Malnick, he's a partner. He owns he's it. He's part oh, partner. Yeah, he bought yeah, into yeah. the company. Yeah. Right? Yep. So there's four that we can say are actually making a living. Their job is to do fishing television shows. And Pete was the originator of that. And to this day, will it will never be replicated in terms of longevity. And, uh, yeah. Cop, those copycats. I know. Why can't they I stick can't to something do anything so, that's original damn. anymore. So on, on being the only one, the pioneer of this, why have you stuck with it for so long? That's wow, a really, really good question. Really and, uh, good question. Because I ask that to myself every time I talk to Ange <laughs> in my head. No, um, it's a good one because I'll tell you why. Obviously, I think I've already stated it in this podcast, fishing is the, the, my most favorite thing to do in life, like to just to do for myself. I, I like lots of things, you know, but, but fishing is just, I don't know why. I have no idea why I like fishing so much, but I just love it. I love that sport. I love the game. And so you get a job doing this. It would be the only thing that I would have stayed at is this job right here. If you'd have told me, Pete, you can work. Uh, give me a, give me a good job. Give me somebody, a good job. A brain surgeon. surgeon. A brain doctor. Surgeon. An international playboy. A brain surgeon. <laughs> okay. That's what I would be. Cause the brain surgery would not be quite. <laughs> if, no, any, like a normal, you could pick up any other normal job in this world. And I would say, no, I'm going to be my electrician. I'm going to do, I'm going to go back to the electrical field. I didn't mind that work. You know, it was your, it's a great trade. It's a to me, it's the best trade to get into. Um, tell lots of kids to get into that right now because there's a shortage coming up. So, um, but otherwise, no, I mean, this, this, uh, the only downfall to this job, the only downfall, the only negative to this job is I know I would have made more money in electrical. That's of course. it. Of course. Fishing industry, let everybody know, is not a high-paying job. And right? you would have gotten to pull your wire a little bit longer, I, well, right? A little more and little bigger more, wire sometimes. more, bigger and yes, longer. Yes. And I would have had yeah. uh, a bit of a retirement package. Otherwise, now I have to and, think about that on my own and do that and, kind of stuff too. And, so. and you would have worked half of the hours that yeah. you've worked in this Yeah, yeah, job. true. If I had worked these many oh. hours, I'd be really rich right now. Yeah. Because you'd yeah. be pulling overtime, you'd be pulling double time or time and a half and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, to me, if a kid could get a job in the fishing industry and you really love it as much as I do, go for it. Go, go for, for it. it. But if you have any doubts or whatever, get a trade. Be a tradesman. It's a great gig too. So, All right. Is it okay? Yeah, that's good. So then when you joined the show, when you joined the team, yes, where sir. did you see yourself going with it? Like, did you mm. ever think that you were going to be carts, become such a part of this brand? To be synonymous no. with, with my like, granddad, when yeah. someone thinks of the Fish and Canada show, yeah, yeah. there's three people that come to mind, yeah. you two yeah. and, and my Uncle Reno for yeah. more of the OG fans. Did yeah. you ever mm -hmm. see yourself being essentially one of the faces of the brand? No, no, honestly, I didn't. I mean, it took forever. I, I just sort of, when I transitioned into it, like I say, it was just a layoff of one job. And I just, it's almost like it was a temporary job because I didn't know 
what I was getting into. They didn't know what they were getting into. Kind of, we knew, uh, you know, a good, a decent amount about each other. Um, but no, honestly, I had like the first year or two, I'm going probably after three years, I'm going, holy shit. I'm still doing this. You know what I mean? Now, I might, I might now, get a gig here. Right? Now, to, now to this day, I'm still saying, holy shit, I'm still doing this. Uh, like it's, it's insane how long I've been doing it for. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know if that answered your question or not. Well, but. no, that, that more or less. And I guess I only have one more for you. So I'm going to, I'm going to fire yours off now. And yeah. it's probably the more personal out of all of them, Certainly. which is how do you feel about Hunter and Cole not really following in your footsteps in the show or kind of showing interest in the same passions that you have? Would you have preferred them to join the team and and be the successor uh, first of all, to that phase? I just interject before you even answer. You're making that sound, um, you're making it sound like it's definitive. Well, not, not definitive, because, but because just at this point. There could be a this point. How, how about we say that? Because it is point, a yet. Yeah. I actually, funny enough, I talked no, to I like Hunter. That. That's a good question. I talked to Hunter yesterday. He he want to he wants to do a revival shoot of the one that we did Beautiful. when we were younger. Beautiful. But at this point in where we're at, mm-hmm. yeah, does it you. bother you in any way? Or, or maybe it's a positive, maybe it's a negative, maybe it's any of those. Just what are your feelings on that? They're, they're more or less carving their own path. Right. I think it's amazing that they're carving their own path. I wouldn't tell them anything different. I would never force them to do anything. And as, in fact, as we just talked about, Cole is just finishing physics. He's waiting for his marks now for grade 12 physics physics to get into the electrical trade. And I think that's amazing. I said, mm. dude, please do that. Please do that. I, you know, start your life like that at least, you know, and get, in your, get a good uh, job. Hunter, Hunter, not so much. So when it comes to the fishing part of it, getting into the TV show of it, getting into the Fishing Canada show of it, I would say, I would say do what I did. Do get, make sure you establish somewhere. If you can transition into that even part-time with Fishing Canada or full-time like I did, good on you. And if that's what you want to do, then do it. But don't start like that. Don't, don't aspire for that. Aspire to do something different, you know, be a professional in some kind of a trade, whatever job, whatever it may be. And then as far as um, the fishing is concerned, they're not fishing a whole lot now. And I'll, I'll use Cole as a perfect example. Cole, when he was really young, was hardcore at just being out in the boat with me. Let's go fishing, daddy. Let's go fishing, daddy. He'd fish for a little bit, but his favorite thing was put him in the box, daddy. I just, <laughs> I had to put all the fish, whatever was legal, I had to put him in the box. And then at the end of the day, his best part was we got to throw them all back. You know what I mean? So I'd put some fish in the box and mostly panfish. You know, he loved the perch and all that kind of stuff. So, and he was very hardcore. I remember him going out in October with me and I'm saying, no, dude, you can't come out. No, I want to go, daddy. And we bundle him up. And I remember putting my toques on top of his toques so he'd stay even warmer and he'd be playing with the fish and all that. So to this day, now, uh, Cole fished with me a couple times this year, two or three times. Hunter didn't fish with me at all this year. And it's not like they, they don't like fishing. It's just that, you know, they've- Other interests. Did, other interests, just like I did. There was a little point in my life where I did move off of it. And I got back onto it. And I'm, I know they're going to get back into it. I know for a fact they're going to get back into it. I know it. And I, I will say one thing about me, and I will give this advice to other parents, is that I'm so hardcore in this game. I'm not trying to brag about this or whatever, but I'm so into fishing that my days are too long on the water for kids. Even yeah. at their age now, yeah. they don't, at six, at 18 and 20, they still don't want to be out in the water as long as I do. But if I'm going to drive an hour and a half to go fishing, two hours to go fishing, I don't want to come home after two hours of fishing, right? I want to get out there. I want to learn. I want to do, 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 do. And that's a selfish thing for sure when I'm, you know, when I do it. And that's what their, their excuse. And even with Lisa, my wife, they say, you just, you're out there too long. I don't want to be out there long. Yeah. Not so, many people so can, don't, right? Don't push it that far that far with your kids. If you can get away with it, I mean, yeah, do it. And if you if you could 
ease back and do four hours of fishing, that's a good idea too. So I kind of regret that one, but it's what I do. No, that's a, that's a great <laughs> answer. I've, I've so. kind of want to ask that, but this is now the, uh, the perfect opportunity too. Yeah. And speaking on family, my wonderful grandfather here, <laughs> would you prefer that any other family members, like in your perfect world, um, would have been involved in some capacity? Um, uh, yes and no, uh, no, because I know the amount of work that had to go into building this brand, the amount of sacrifice that went into building this brand, the amount of money and all other resources, including energy that went into building this brand. I probably would, would have to say no. I'm glad they didn't. On the other side, the yes side, obviously any parent listening to this will agree that there's something satisfying about having your offsprings follow your footsteps, as Pete just alluded to a minute ago. That That's kind of cool to think that, um, that, you know, your kids are kind of picking up where you left off. I don't know in this industry whether... I'm I'm kind of glad it went the way it went in that respect, and uh, and everybody's kind of uh, carving their own their own lane, so to speak. So, yes and no. I know that's cheating, but I'll say yes and no. All right. Would you like a water, Angelo? No, I'm good. Thank you good? You. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, does it bother you at like you know when you're sleepless at night, laying in bed, thinking on your life? Does it bother you that Uncle Reno ended up leaving the show? Uh, it was about 2006, I think. So a while ago now, mm. or are there additional hosts that you are, are not necessarily sad or disappointed, but we'll use bummed out as the term that they, they moved on just some people that, you know, maybe you would like to have them around the table here today as well. I know uncle Reno's probably one of them because he started it with you, but is there yeah. anyone else as well? Uh, I don't think there's a week that doesn't go by that. I don't think of that. Um, because Pete and I, we, we had so many great times oh with God. Reno in the field. I mean, it was, he was, uh, Bawana. he was the, uh, the, the lightning rod in the group. There's no doubt about it. He was the center of attention. He was the center of activity. He was the organizer. He was, he was all those things. And it allowed me to be the goofy kind of, uh, happy go lucky. Don't take any, uh, major risks don't have to make any major decisions, just sort of have fun at what you're doing. And when he left, that was taken away from me because then I had to step in and be that guy that he was. So in that sense, I regret it. I, um, obviously as, as my brother, I miss having him on the show and with us, uh, on all these trips, but, from a business standpoint, I think um, I, I honestly believe that it allowed me to, because I was taking a different role at that when he left uh, in the show, I think it allowed um, me to steer the ship in a little different direction that allowed us to be where we are today. So I have no regrets about that part of it. 
But yeah, we miss him. We miss Malta. I miss Miller. I miss Mikey Miller. Oh Hell, my God. Mikey was Between one of those. Reno and Mikey together? Oh, my God. Oh we my spent, God. I think, we spent about uh, three or four years as yeah. a foursome. Yeah. Oh, the best four years of my oh, life. That was so fun. It was, it was <laughs> insanity every yeah. day. Yeah. There wasn't a moment. Oh my it God. didn't go by that, that most yeah. people would love to enjoy just one minute of that yeah. in their yeah. life. We were enjoying it every day for yeah. three or four years. For sure. So, yeah, there's uh, regrets. But you know what? I ended up with the best possible partner and co-host uh, that you could get. There you go. Uh, in the business. So I'm, I have no regrets. I'd say that. second best to Reno, though. Thank you, though. But yeah. Reno was pretty damn good, too. <laughs> yeah, he was good. All right. So on a little bit of a, a happier note or less less personal note, yeah. just something in general, what did you envision when you started this? When you said to hell with it, well, you, you and Uncle Reno sat down. He said, okay, mm. we're going to do a fishing show. Where did mm. you see it going? Did you ever in your wildest dreams see it being to the the magnitude that it is today? Most people right now, including myself, would, you know, I'd lean towards saying, no, we had no idea. But Anybody that knows us, and Pete being one of them, knows a, my brother and I um, on a personal level. You'll know that if we said that, it would be just bullshit, because we don't, we didn't do, and we still don't do anything that we don't mean to conquer. I, I will not get involved in anything unless I know I can own it. And so, uh, we were sitting on in a, in a little rented aluminum boat uh, at the Emerald Isle. <laughs> fishing tournament uh, on Buckhorn Lake. You guys rented a boat to the tournament? We had to rent a boat. We didn't own a boat. <laughs> That's awesome. So we were sitting in this little rented boat and uh, trying to figure out, oh, okay, how did the hell do they catch fish in this stuff? Uh, my background in fishing was always, uh, you know, chase. I was a river rat, right? I would be chasing steelhead and trout up and down rivers as a kid. But when I started getting into the bass uh, uh, part of the business, we had, we had no, nothing, no experience at all. And we jumped right in by getting involved in a fishing a tournament. And that's this Emerald Isle tournament I'm talking about. I don't remember the year, but I can tell you, we were sitting in this little rented aluminum boat and there were bass boats running up and down and streaming by. And, and they were just sort of a distant little sexy image that was going through the, uh, so, water. so you guys, just interject, you guys were not the first guys, some of the first guys to have bass boats. No. Okay. Uh, and Canadians, And I can right? tell you right now, okay. a gentleman by the name of Dan Fontana was there. And obviously, uh, Bob and uh, Wayne Izumi. And Rocky Crawford had just bought his first used Gladstrom boat. He was there. There was about a half a dozen of them. Okay. That had these fancy fiberglass metal flaked rockets. <laughs> Sorry, I changed his, his with, direction there. Nick. With, Sorry about you that. You know, 150 horsepower engines on the back of these things. My God, they were so <laughs> sexy. And of course, I told you I loved racing. Yeah. Racing was in my blood. So to me, this was just an extension of racing. <laughs> You're in a little tin. Yeah, a little tin 9.9 <laughs> in the middle of bobbing around. And we're sitting in this big weed bed. It choked. We could have got out and walked on it. We, we didn't even know how we were going to get out of it. We kind of floated into it. Now we're, we're in a mess. But anyways, we looked around and, uh, and it, it was probably Reno. He said, you know, he said, we can own this. We can own this. We we can be one of those guys in those boats, those fancy boats running across this. Wow. 
And I'll never forget those words. Now, it didn't happen for a couple of years. Uh, But yeah, we were driven enough at that point and foolish enough at that point and had just enough money at that point and had just enough latitude that we made it happen. So, yeah, yeah, I got into it to own it. Yeah. There's no question about it. You knew what you wanted to do then? No. Uh, In terms of you had had that idea in your head. I knew where I I wanted to to be. be. I just didn't know how to get there. You knew what you, okay. I had no idea how to get there, but I knew where I wanted to be. And so on that, You've had other businesses before Fishing Canada. Totally uh, removed from the fishing industry. I my very first And I don't think anyone listening, yeah. hell, maybe not even people in this room, right, know about that past other than me. So what were some of the other wow, you businesses? Want me to go way back, don't you? I want to go way back. What were some of the other businesses so, that you were as an entrepreneur when you were younger? My very first was the shoe business. Uh the footwear business. And uh that was uh God, I would have been 16 and a half. Is it true that selling shoes to ladies is one of the worst jobs in the world? I've heard that. Literally, I've heard that, honestly. Are you, are you, in what sense? I don't know. I don't know because I've never sold shoes, so I don't know how yeah. to say, even look at that. But they say I, uh, I shoe, a, it, uh, a female no. shoe salesman. You're, no, I like. I enjoyed that part of it. It okay. was the old uh, smelly guys that was, <laughs> okay, a, that was makes sense tougher too. for me. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I was uh, 16 and a half. Reno was like 18 and uh, we uh, opened a shoe store because I had been managing a Tom McCann shoe store uh, for about a year and a half. And we thought, well, why are we doing it? Why am I doing it for, for them when we can do it for ourselves? And that was the very first business that him and I opened up together. Reno and I uh, spent most of our lives together until we split up. Dilly left in 204. We were together. Everything you guys did. Everything we did was was as a unit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so that was the first one. And then from there, uh, I got into construction, not of my own free will, but uh, I had to take on the uh, heavy lifting part of uh, working construction. And, um, that was, a, a, a good experience for me. It, uh, was, uh, was a lot of good experiences in those, uh, brief months that I got into construction. And then, uh, from there I went, everything from that point on was all about sales. The construction work was the only time that I ventured outside of sales. And, and, and I learned right away that sales is a better place to be Dean, just so that, you know, all right. <laughs> um, Sales is a much more pleasant environment than uh, being behind a shovel. Uh, that's not a nice place to be. See, that's funny, because eh? I'm I'm 100% opposite. I know. And that's I'm why just, you and I, I are to, so well matched. Yeah, just, I, I'm so, I love the world of construction when I worked there, the people, the job, everything was just, it's funny. That's because that you were pulling wire all day. You weren't behind a shovel. When did you have to I dig? A, when did you have to dig off. a foundation of a house by when, hand? When did you ever lay in a thousand feet of three inch rigid conduit into a trench, a muddy trench in your life? Yeah, good I'm point. telling you, it's not that good easy. Point. It no, isn't know, all that easy. I so, you don't but know how many good. muddy trenches he's been near. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice one, uh, Nikki. And then I went on I to sell it. light bulbs, which was one of the most lucrative things I have ever done in my life. And, and thank you for that because I hook up the lights that you guys exactly. put the bulbs into, right? Exactly. So it all worked out. We started a company called Danco Electric, and Danco was D A N Co, and that was for Dad Damiano, uh, Angelo. And Nazareno, who was uh, uh, Reno, the Reno uh, uh, was what's um, 
Why would you? Formerly Reno, called Nazarene. You must have right. did something there because Reno's older than you, right? Yes. So instead of DNA, it should have been DNA yes. instead of DNA. But DNA was not a very, eh, it wasn't a very sexy. So you sold Reno on that. I sold didn't him. You? I had to work hard. I had to work Because he always wanted to be first on of everything. Of course. Of course. So, I had to work hard okay. on that. But it was a Danco Electric, and we went on to, uh, to do all kinds of good things. We sold uh, industrial lighting. Uh, for a number of years, very lucrative. Uh, to this day, probably the most lucrative thing I've ever done in my life. And then we became, for a brief moment during that Danco period, because we had purchased a massive warehouse and didn't know what to do with it. So we needed to lease it out. And we were approached by a company called Piaggio, um, which we had sort of a connection with during the construction years because it was owned by a group of wealthy Italian businessmen, but they had the rights to Vespa scooters in North America. And so they asked if they could lease some warehouse space. One thing led to another, and we ended up being their agency for sales agency for Vespa scooters at the time. So we kind of moved around. A lot of sales stuff. You sold a lot of stuff, didn't you? We sold a lot of stuff. I've heard a lot of good stories about those sales days, by the way, people listening. A oh lot of good stories about those light bulb salesmen and going, <laughs> going out west. And, oh yeah. and then uh, we decided, once we got into the fishing business, we decided, hey, you know what? Let's just own it. And we opened up a com- company called Barclays, which was a massive retail operation uh, at a time pre-internet days when there weren't very many massive retail operations in the outdoors, let alone fishing. And so we ran that for 20 some odd years as well. So everything has been sales uh, oriented. And so the final question I have is what is the worst and best? I want both, but the first starter is the worst business decision you have ever made. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. That one's simple. So, the year was um, 1978. I was in the lighting business. And I we were looking for another business, right? We were always looking for more businesses, right? I was in the lighting business. So I read this. Now, actually, that's not true. A buddy of mine who was also in the electrical business called me up one day, and he said, I got uh, an appointment for next Saturday to sit in on a new business venture. You want to come along? And I said, well, sure. What is it? Is I don't know, to be honest with you. (laughs) I'm not a hundred percent clear, but it sounds, it. (laughs) it sounds kind of interesting. He says, somebody is here from San Francisco, um, downtown on Wellesley street. They've uh, rented a little conference room and, they are going to make a presentation to people who are interested in getting into, he said, he said now let me get this right. He says, so what, they, what they're proposing to do is to rent video, videotapes. And I said, to who? To people. He says, they're, 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 they are renting videotapes that people are going to rent from their stores and they're going to take them home and they're going to put them in so machines. Like, like a blockbuster or something Put like that, them right? in machines that are PBS or PBR or BSC. I don't know what they are. Uh, VVFH. Uh, anyways, they got these machines that you put these videotapes into and you rent them and you pay like, like they're paying two bucks to rent these things. 
Yeah, he says, and so anyways, they're, they're looking for franchisees up here in Canada. They're coming into Canada called Blockbuster. Oh, wow, it was Blockbuster. Wow. Oh, my I God. Said, are you kidding me? No, he says, I read the prospectus on it. It looks pretty good. So him and I, it was a dreariest February uh, afternoon, you could imagine, went downtown, and we sat in on, and it was like seven of us. They had set up 50 chairs, and it was only seven of us that showed up. So that made it even worse in the basement of this uh, this uh, office building. And we sat there, and this guy sat up front, and he gave this whole pitch how the whole future is going to be on these tapes. People will be consuming their entertainment no longer from Live television, which, by the way, at the time had something like three or four channels in Canada. No longer will they have to be slaves to the broadcaster. They will come to our stores and they will rent these tapes and they're going to go home and put them in there. And it's going to change the entertainment world. All of the first run movies will be available. All of the top run television series will all be available. And we are going to have the exclusivity on all of this great entertainment. And people are going to come every week to rent these from us for $1.99. You missed out on Blockbuster? Yeah, big time. Holy <laughs> so, shit. I will never forget. Within two years, they owned the, the, the whole oh entertainment my God. world. They right? were huge for a while, right? So but that was my at, biggest. Look at them now, though, right? You yeah. had to get out of it. Yeah, but you had to get out of it. I'll tell you, they had a great little they ride. They had a good run. But that was a mistake as well, eh? I think almost, they almost had identical. An opportunity to buy Netflix for like two million dollars, and they turned that down. They turned it oh down. Oh yeah. my yeah. god! So, anyways, yeah. Ooh. So I was in at the uh, truly at the ground floor of uh, that whole deal, and man, that I mess up on that one. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, I, you know, I, I will wow. say this: wow. if any entrepreneurs are listening, young entrepreneurs that you know are just getting into a business or would like to get into a business, I will tell you this, and I will I, I say it freely. Um, you're going to fail more times than you're going to succeed. And if you're not failing, you're not really an entrepreneur. I don't care what anybody says. And it's not that much different than what Pete and I do for a living. And that is fish. You know, more time is spent not catching than is spent catching in guiding. It's the same thing. The key is that's your learn. If you're not losing, you're not learning. Every one of those losses needs to be recorded mentally. You need to absorb them because after a, a multitude of losses, you start learning what's right and what's wrong, how things work and how things break down. Without those failures in business as an entrepreneur, you're not, I've been bankrupt three times. I don't mind telling people that, that we just, we just blew it, right? So it happens. And if you listen to any of the great entrepreneurs of the world, whether it's KFC, whether it's McDonald's, I don't care which one you want to talk about. They've all been at a point of bankruptcy because they've had to make those learning adjustments. Right. And so with what you learned, what was the best decision you ever made? Like maybe it's the one that made you the most money. Maybe it's the one that made you the happiest. What would you say is your best business decision you ever made? I told you about my worst, obviously. Um, I, I I would like to think that it was to stick it out here at Fish and Cannon. When Reno and I split up, because make no mistake about it, Reno and I split up. It was not a decision that we made uh, in a boardroom. In fact, I, I don't know whether Pete remembers the, 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 the story, but but it was on a, on a Friday afternoon, I believe, and, and uh, Reno came in, so that's it. 
uh, I'm leaving. And I assumed that what he was talking about was leaving for the weekend because it was either Thursday <laughs> or Friday. Remember? I don't know. You I can't this. remember it, but I, I'm he sure. says, I'm leaving. I said, okay, well, we'll see you, see you later. No, no. He says, I'm leaving. I said, what do you mean you're leaving? That's, Anyways. A, that's exactly the way he would say it too, isn't it? That's exactly the way he would say oh, it. What, what, do you, what do you mean you're leaving? leaving? You're like leaving. The, I can see. Oh, that's I can right envision there. it. You're leaving that is it. what? Right there. <laughs> that is it right there. Anyways, uh, <laughs> over the weekend, I got delivered a, a letter that kind of told me what, right? So wow. um, I don't know where I was going with that, but, but, but. It uh, saying sticking, sticking it with, out, sticking, with sticking the through after it that would have been very easy for me. And Pete maybe doesn't know this, but it would have been very easy for me at that point to throw in the towel because uh, he left us with a lot on the plate to uh, to chew on. And it would have been very easy for for us to be able to because keep in mind at the same time that this was going on, uh, we had the retail store as well. We had just purchased a new building. We had just dumped uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in a new uh, enterprise. And so it was just a, a wild time. It was the wildest time of my life for sure, in terms of having to suck back and reload. So sticking it out was uh, at that point, obviously was the most, today is the most satisfying thing I've ever done in my life because I look back at it and say, Whoo, did I ever come through that one in living color? Because it could have gone the other way very quickly. Yeah, and you, so. you had a couple opportunities to sell the company. People were, were interested in buying it yeah. too, right? You were yeah. and you had thoughts maybe that maybe I, I should, did. maybe I didn't. I almost know? did. Yeah. I'm very recently I, you almost did. Yeah, I'm very, ago, very so. glad that yeah. uh, I didn't. So here we are. And you know, the question that should be asked, and I haven't heard it yet, maybe you have it on your notes. Well, that's it uh, for my questions. All right. I'm out. So the next question I ask myself is retirement. When is that going to happen? So uh, can I answer? Sure. It isn't. All right. You're not gonna, you talk about it. You talk about it. You talk about it. You can't, you're the type of individual where you can't not work. Why do you, why do you say that? Cause I know him a little too well. I don't think almost no one has spent this much time attached to the hip with their grandfather and he, he is the type of individual who can't stop. Even today, it would have been just as easy because we were up at the crack acid dawn, go back to bed for a couple hours, go out, have breakfast. No, it was, we're going to work. We're going to do a podcast. You have to always I'm paying keep paying for the shit. Bring it on. And right? even, even in your downtime, it's, okay, I'm going to go work on the Camaro. Okay, I'm going to go look at parts. Okay, I'm going to register so we can go to Mossport. Like, there's always something but to do. But, 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 but you just mentioned a great a great avenue for him to go. If he retired, he could do that stuff with the cars. He could do that kind of stuff. He could get into a more hobbyish yeah. type of world. He can afford it now. He's got, you I know, think he's the got passion, that passion. The passion for fishing is still burning there. I think right. Right. Uh, I would miss these moments. Right. Yeah. One of the things, the only thing that's keeping me still unretired is every time I think of it, because honestly, at my age, I should be. There's no question about it. I'm convinced of that. The problem and is- And Jim Cunda says the same thing. And Jim Cunda, one he of our long biggest time ago, uh, viewers, says that I'm way overdue for retirement. <laughs> well, that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> that's right. I wish we had that recording right now. <laughs> I'll put it in. Yeah, uh, perfect. Put it yeah, in. Yeah, what? There's a bunch of bullshit. Anyways, have a fine day and get rid of that bullshit. Bye. Yeah, exactly. So- um, 
The problem with that is these moments. And I'm not talking about this podcast here at Lodge 88. These moments out here when shit happens, these moments when when yeah. we're under stress and under fire and, 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 you know, it's the last hour before we have to be finished and boom, all of a sudden it happens. Well, the euphoria that you experience in those moments cannot be recaptured anywhere else. It cannot be replicated doing anything else than what we do. And whenever I get close to thinking retirement, I think, yeah, but what are you going to do when you miss those moments? You can't, you can't, you know, pull a box out and say, okay, I'm gonna, I, w- I want a little piece of that action again. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, at some point it's got to happen, obviously, but I just don't know when that point uh, is. You'll be like great grandpa cleaning up the office. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be it. There comes engine for a four hour day. So, yeah. which brings us now to the end of this podcast. Uh, but wait, when I say the end, I mean, uh, I've got a few questions I'd like to ask you, Mr. Bowman. Okay. You can even start, my friend. I will start. And then, How many have you got? Like, you got like 68 Oh, I got a questions? whole page. I could, I could write a book on questions I that got like uh, I've wanted. Well, I know, because that's the way you are. I've got, I'm more, a little more in-depth. Let's put it that way. You gave me a minute. <laughs> okay, fire so, away. Uh, I want to do some uh, f- true or false first. Oh, I love to refer. I just need is you to bang me? them out. I just need you to bang them out. Because the first one has to do with what we were talking about, and that is uh, retirement. Because my first question yeah. to you, which is true or false? True or false. Pete Bowman will eventually become Canada's longest running Canadian TV fishing show host. Uh, uh, longest running. So that would mean I have to do it longer than you. Mm-hmm. Longer than Azumi. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Red Fisher put in for his time. I have no idea on that. 32. God, that's, that's a... Okay. Let uh, me rephrase that then. Maybe it'll be help, help, easier for uh, you. No, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, gonna say true. I'll say true. Based on my plans. How's that? That's Based all I want to say. Based on what I want. It'll be true if it, I get what I want. Okay. I'm not asking, don't think I'm going to be asking you for tons more money, blah, blah, blah. No, blah, no, blah. I know what you're no. saying because you and I have talked about this before. I've asked you this before and in private and when now it's not private anymore because we're doing these damn podcasts that are so exactly. damn re- revealing. But Pete and I have had this discussion before. We've said, how long are we going to keep up this nonsense? Right. How long are we going to do this? And Pete's answer to me has always been, buddy, as long as you're in, I'm going to stick yeah. with it. Well, that means I'm not, I'd say false because if I do the same day that's as you do, I you're you going to beat me. That's why I asked you this right. question. Okay. Right. See, I didn't think so, about you in that so one. I thought I about guess me in that one. Inadvertently, what I'm saying is, can you see the day when I no longer am sitting in this chair, but you are? No. No. I'll be out when you're out. All right. For sure. Yeah. Peter Bowman hates musky. True or false? <laughs> false. I put on a I put on a persona. Oh, you insert rotten. Jim Cunda. There's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, that <laughs> That's is a bullshit. Bunch of bullshit. So, so in <laughs> fact, I love musky. Everything about this giant predator because I love big pike and musky is just that. You know, they're I like big pike better than big musky, but I do love big musky. All I do is I get pissed off so much when I'm getting 
encountering muskies when I'm not musky fishing. That's what I hate. You can't suck and blow here, buddy. No, no, they're pissing me. They're they're pissing me off, but they're just pissing me off what they're doing. They're ripping my baits off. They're ripping weed beds up. They're doing all this kind of crazy stuff when I don't want them around. So, but I do love muskie. Like the the species of fish is awesome. I'm going to write down here that loves muskie. Loves muskie. I'm marking it down for future Those reference. stinky, right? greasy bastards. Exactly, I love them. <laughs> exactly. I've heard you call them that many a time. Uh, there you go. Pete Bowman loves muskies. Everybody, there you go. Uh, ugly Pike boys. Dean, you want to go ahead and put that on a shirt? We'll sell, we'll put that, I love you know what? Actually, yeah, I will get that a one-off made for the store. Pete Bowman loves musky. I love it. I love and it. And then put a line through them that says not. <laughs> uh, true or false, Nikki V will one day be the principal host of the Fishing Canada show. I'd like to say true uh, with all my hopes for Nick to do it if he wants to. Absolutely. I think I'd be true. I'd love to see him do it. All right. Uh, who is the goat of the fishing industry? And you have no boundaries. All the world, the entire the world. world. Who is your goat of the fishing industry? You know, I, I think I still, uh, with no disrespect to you, I still no, got to say no, Roland so Martin, I think. I think Roland Martin is my goat. He's been my hero from He's the world. That's why I got into the bass tournament world. Uh, I've got to meet Roland. He's a super guy. He's he's done so much for it. I, uh, I can't say anything bad about him. Bill Nance? No, not for me. I liked Billy. Great. He was, but he was lower on the list than, than Roland for yeah, me. Yeah, Roland's and Jimmy. always been that. He's just been the great American outdoorsman. Just, right? no, he's, just yeah. a yeah. kick-ass dude. I agree. And, I would have answered that the same way. And then when he did the AMF to us when he was leaving that van that one oh, day, my that God. just topped can it off for me. Can we tell folks about that? Well, I don't know if we can say that. Uh, you can, uh, that you was can the Talk greatest. about it, and then we'll ask Roland if we're allowed to publish it. Yeah, maybe we oh, should. Oh, it's a Roland won't it's give a shit about that. It's That's, just, it's just uh, I don't know just, whether we want to paint him in that light or not. But it was just <laughs> if you know great, what AMF great means, moment. then it was a great moment. It was a great Roland moment used in that very, uh, sure. yeah, very much so. Um, what is Peter Bowman's greatest pet peeve about Angelo Viola? Um, one only. I know there'd be many. I just need one. What's the one thing, the pet peeve, the hate, the thing you hate most about? Not hate. I can't, I'm not going to say hate. I, can't, I don't hate anything about you. Well, the, the one well. pet peeve. <laughs> uh, I wish Angelo Viola would fish more on his off time. And the reason I would wish more of fishing on his off time is because then we could converse more about fishing about learning about something he discovered out there which is what i do with mikey burris and guys like that all my buddies and that so with my fishing buddies i consider you a fishing buddy i wish you would do more on the on the water because i know because anybody that knows angelo knows maybe if you don't know angelo he's very in-depth technical he wants to i gotta learn this he just so you get him with that fish finder he comes back he says oh my god look at this on this fish finder what i just found today on this garment That's the kind of stuff I like to. You and know, the problem with me with. doing that is that I'd have to give up all the other the things that life. I have to yeah. do, right? Yeah, and exactly. It's so unfortunate, but, but that might be a weird one. But it's uh, that's good. No, I'm glad to hear that. Um, but that'll never happen because somebody's got to do what I do, yep. and uh, that would yep. take away from Bayless. Yep. That's probably why we have the ultimate relationship, right? There you go. 
Um, have you ever? And I need I need details about this. So before you, you answer it, mellow? you need to think about it. Have you ever <laughs> come close to quitting on FNC or the Fishing Canada brand? No, no, honestly, wow. no. I was hoping to hear some juicy stuff. No, from no, 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 no. I mean. Uh, of course, you know, you can certainly be an arsehole sometimes. I can be an arsehole sometimes. And we, right. uh, um, no, never been close to it. Never, I've never, uh, I've never gone home to Lisa and said, it, I'm done. No, not even close to that. So sorry about that. <laughs> Disappointing on that one. No, but, <laughs> I thought there'd be something. No, 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 no. Um, um, look at, I'm going to give away the, the only guy that ever does this in Canada or started yeah. this whole thing. You can't pretty much, it's pretty hard to give that up, right? Finish this sentence. This is for the audience. Finish this sentence. And without thinking, I just want you to finish this sentence. I am very sensitive about my. Oh, you're going to say, what you want me to say is my height. No, I I know. I want you to finish the sentence. I am very sensitive about my confidence. Okay. I really am. Explain what you're, I know what what you're talking about. Like I'm a very nervous person. I'm always nervous. People won't see that on TV. And the reason they don't see it on TV, because I'm in my element. I'm in a boat, I'm fishing. I don't have to stare at the camera 24-7 and do my thing. Put me a a script to read to the camera, I get nervous as shit. I hate it. That's one thing I do hate about the, the, you know, the TV (laughs) stuff and all that stuff. So I would say about that. But obviously my height would be another one because I'm a short guy. People that don't know me, I'm five foot three and 130 pounds and I've been made fun of my whole life. Like that's the one thing that pisses me off. If it was, if people just left it alone, I wouldn't care, but people can't leave it alone. Right. In in this, in this day and age, short is still, you still pick on a short person. But it's human nature, isn't it? To pick on things that are a little bit. Even if it's human nature, you shouldn't do that. Right. You really shouldn't do that. All right. right. So which is it? My height or my confidence? Com- uh, uh, my confidence on my height. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Both way, of them. Probably both of by them. By the way, I probably do not understand for the life of me how you can say that you're nervous about anything in your life. And I'll tell you why wow. I say that. Because, because you do not have a pulse. I oh, can, okay. somebody, well, that's I can get a what doctor are you right He's, he's cold-blooded. He's cold-blooded. He does not have a pulse. I'll tell you why. I have been with him so many times when, when things are like on the edge and this guy, like he doesn't even, there's no response. I, we were some, I'm going to say Malaysia or some spooky, dark little part shithole in the world somewhere. The bathroom scene. Yep. That was Texas. Was it? Sweet oh, water. I, then I apologize to you Texans listening. I did not mean that. I thought it was in Malaysia <laughs> or someplace. Okay. There might've been some alcohol involved. So I, I, I There's cannot be responsible. There's always alcohol involved, everybody. Okay? So we were w- staying someplace, some, at, at one point, was this Sweetwater I'm talking yeah, about? It was Texas. I remember it. Anyways, we they tried were, to try to stick a couple of girls in our rooms too. We said, what the you fuck remember is that? going on here? Yeah. Like, anyways, <laughs> we won't talk about that one. That was embarrassing. But, yeah. but anyways, we were in this little tiny, dark, dreary little motel unit. And, um, and I'll never forget the, 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 like the bulb in the bathroom was one of those flickering. It was like, the, it was a flickering bulb that was going out. Uh, the lighting was poor dirt and, I mean, it was just, it was awful. The shower curtain was hanging by one ring. So you know what I'm talking about, right? All the rest of them had been ripped off. Anyways, Pete and I are, are together, as most of the crew here knows. We always bunk together when, when there's a situation for bunking, and then the rest of the crew bunks together. 
So the cameraman, Todd Monroe, at the time, um, him and I were always trying to scam up how we could play practical jokes on on people um, on the crew. And we decided we were going to take advantage of Mr. Bowman this one night. And now Pete's habit was, and still is, first thing he does when he enters in the room, he goes and has a pee. It's just standard equipment. And he comes in the room, drops whatever he's doing, goes in and has a pee. So Todd and I orchestrated it so that I would go up to the room first and he was entertaining Mr. Bowman. And then it was time to go for Mr. Bowman too. But I was already upstairs and normally I'd be in bed, but I was in the shower. I put the rest of the curtain up. And I got into the shower in this dreary, dingy, spooky-looking bathroom, tiny little thing. And uh, lights were all off. So true to form, Peter comes in the room. First thing he does, goes right to the bathroom, which is right by the entrance of this little motel room. And he starts urinating. And I let him get into mid-pee. I didn't want to do it too early. I let him get into mid-pee, and I pulled the curtain off its rings. And and I yelled at him, expecting him to faint because I'd never seen him get excited about anything. And he's pee- never missed a beat. He looked up at me, hey, buddy, what are you doing in there? <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I pissed myself just yeah. trying to scare him. Now, see, but, now that's, again, that's, I don't know why that is. Like, so it's, it's, not nervousness. It's it's a lack of confidence. Is what it is. No, with me. You shouldn't have okay? any lack of confidence well, no, in anything. No, buddy. but listen. But but then, uh, I'm the opposite. Opposite in that world. In the world of getting spooked, getting scared, or whatever. I rarely, I don't show it. I do get spooked inside because because people either try to scare me or just things happen. A door slams or something like that, right? And I just do a little. And then, then and somebody else is with me. They're shitting their pants oh, and they're running or whatever. Absolutely. And I just. I, 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 <laughs> I, I don't know Anyways. why that is. Maybe I got nerves of steel, but confidence of none. So oh, something I, like that. I, I never know. would have taken you, Pete, for someone who, who I, I, or I should rephrase. I take you for a very confident individual. Always. Yeah. For, from all my early memories of you as well. You know, I, I guess I, I sell a mean, I, I, I that, sell right? a yeah. mean show, yeah. I guess. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think that's with a lot of people like, and it, and it started from day one in public, like in, in public school, when I had to stand up and read in front of the class. Oh my God. Do not do this to me. I don't. When you had to go up and, and do a speech in front of the, or a play in front of the whole school, it's the worst, worst thing in my life. Worst thing in my life. Hated it. Hate it. Still to this day, when we've got to do something, a presentation, I don't like doing it. I mean, I'll do it and I'll put on a show and I'll try to do the best I can with it. Um, but I, I, I have hated it and I always will hate it for sure. So there's a, it's just a nervousness in that sense, I guess. Maybe it's just a people looking at me, nervousness. Probably something like that, you know, their perception of me from not just the short thing. It's that's part of it, but everything just if you screw up, hate screwing up. Uh, yeah, just, I, don't know. I would I, I think the audience is in shock right now, just as much yeah, as really. Uh, eh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, but, you know, I'll go back to the 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 short thing is I got I have had that from day one until probably last week. People make fun of the height constantly they human just, nature my they friend, just pick you. on it so but yeah. but i do remember when i when i was really young in corona ontario and i was the tiniest little guy out there and we were on the football field and we were all playing soccer football whatever like that and the and the big guys the bigger like older than me too by two or three years older and i you think i swear a lot now oh i swore like a trucker back when i was a little wee kid and they'd get me to do it i made up some poems and stuff and they'd get me to do it. every game we would do i had to do my poems but you get the guys going and there were swear words throughout the whole friggin thing so 
Nothing so has changed. Uh, yeah. All uh, right. Take us home, buddy. Uh, you've got some questions I got you'd like four, to ask. I uh, got four questions for you. That's yeah. it. Okay. In a one-year period, with Angelo Viola, and you can only do this, one of these for 20 days, would you rather spend 20 days fishing in a prime location or go gambling in Vegas? <gasps> oh, <laughs> my God. Woo. <laughs> wow. And that's all you got. The rest of the year, you got neither. You can only do one for 20 days. First of all, I don't think I could survive Vegas for 20 days. That's the problem. The pace is a little... A little uh, okay, 10 days. 10 days? 10 days? Now you're talking. Okay. So 10 and 10. And, and, and this fishing is, is scenario is anywhere you I choose. Want, wherever you want. Best primo fishing you can get. I'll take the fishing. Okay. I'll take the fishing. I, 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 uh, Vegas is a very special, you know, uh, for me, it's, it's Vegas is a means to an end for me. Uh, when I absolutely, cause you know, I don't vacation like normal folks, mm -hmm. but when I hit the wall and I have to have a break, I need to condense that break. I can't, I can't just take off for two or three weeks. Like people, my age should be doing right. So I use Vegas as a, as a, uh, it's almost medicinal, right? So I need that two or three or four days hardcore hang my brains on the, on the coat hook when I enter Vegas and then pick it up on the way out kind of thing, but short period of time. Okay. I don't, I don't think I would uh, see where's fishing is totally different. Fishing is to me. Um, That's why I put them. I know you enjoy yeah, both of them. Yeah, so I, 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 I would take the fishing. Perfect. If I could pick and choose my own. Yeah. Dream, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would this take is fishing. a dream vacation. I would, the, contrary, the, contrary to popular belief, I would take fishing versus uh, Vegas. Yeah. Be I don't think it'd be contrary. I mean, yeah, yeah. Most people would think you'd take fishing, right? Yeah. Only us that know how that much you knows. love Vegas, yeah, yeah. you'd say, Oh, and that's yeah. what your reaction. You're going, oh, I love you Vegas know? because of the action, yeah, of course. Right? So, yeah. anyways, yep, okay. Question number two, question numero two, what? Uh, who do you hate most in the entire NHL organization? Entire. From coaches to Batman to everybody in that whole. And I want you to give me the hated, you hate the most players. I hate. Who do I hate? Hate's a pretty strong word. It, right? Damn right it is. But I know a guy like you that you can pull up some hate sometimes. Oh, some hate you're gonna, I know where you're going right now. No, 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 I don't. No, I don't. I was thinking players at first. Then I well, thought, no, there's probably all kinds of coaches or, or, or trainers or somebody no, that you really, no, a referee that you just. It's players. it's players. I know who I love most in the industry. I, our our I, good friend Kinger is I, just. Uh, there you go. Chris King is just, uh, my man, if there was such a thing as, yeah, I would love this guy. He was, mm -hmm. uh, I'd love him. Um, I hate players that take advantage of their talent. And then I think steal money and steal from the audience who, from their fans who, who, you know, put out their hard earned dollars to go and watch a game or even watch it on TV for that matter. And I hate people who, in my opinion, shortchange the audience day in and day out. And I'll name you two of those players. And okay, I don't mind telling you. I was going to say at least a name. You can give me a Kessel couple. would be number one. Phil Kessel. Absolutely. Phil Kessel, the number one and follow. And, and the only reason he's number one, cause he's been at it longer than this next guy. I'm going to tell you. Um, and that is Nylander. 
I had a I feeling you think, might have him on your list, but and I don't know whether hate is the right word. I just I do hate what they're doing, and that yeah. is shortchanging the audience, their fans. And I hate that in any sport uh, uh, personality, whether it's golf, whether it's hockey, whether it's basketball, whether it doesn't matter. Uh, auto racer. I want my athletes that I pursue with passion and love, especially hockey. I want them to give me 110% every time they put that uniform on and step on the ice. I don't give a shit whether you score, don't score, hit, don't hit. I don't care. I need to feel that you gave me 100%, especially in today's hockey, where we're talking millions of dollars. Oh, my God. For it sure. is a different story back in the in the 60s and 70s. But today, when you're making $10, 15000000 million a year between your, your salary and endorsements, you need to give me 100%. And those two names I just gave you, I know for a fact, and I would defy anybody listening to this to write into me and tell me I'm wrong. I don't think anybody will. Right I think a lot of outdoor people, journal official Instagram. I think That's a lot right. of them uh, will agree with you. You know, Kessel yeah. and Nylander were cut from the same cloth, and that is take advantage of the fact that I have some talent, but don't deliver 100% yeah, on it. because they are talented. There's no oh doubt God. about it. They're unreal. Kessel? Yeah. Nylander? Are you kidding me? They're beasts. They're beasts. Yeah. But they just they give you just enough yeah. to be in the game. I hate that. Give me a Chris King. Kinger. Kinger is a classic guy. He's got zero talent. <laughs> he knows that. I'm not so, he had zero talent. But I'll tell you what, I'll take 10 Kingers on my team any day of the week. <laughs> I love it. Because he'll do whatever it takes to win. I love it. So there, there, there you, you go. go. Final question. Yes or no? Do you feel that Angela Violas is a pessimist as well as a narcissist? A pessimist? I'm asking you. I'm just asking you if you think you are. I'm. Uh, is, can I say neither? Of course. That's a no. Yes or no? I, I would say no, no, and no. No, 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 no. In fact, I, I would, uh, yeah, I would, no. There you go. All That's, I got to say is no. My questions are done. <laughs> That is it. All right. Uh, well, anything else, gentlemen? Are we done uh, in the I questions? Guess, yeah, I think we're yeah, good. Yeah, no, we're good. All right. Well, that was a, an interesting episode, I think. I, I wonder think if people that, stuck with it. If anybody that's sitting here now, because we're getting way off the fishing thing, you know what I mean? And that kind of these questions. I wonder how many actually stuck with it. And I please, want please me, leave comments or something or emails or something. Mm-hmm. Or, you know Contact I mean? us. If you're listening to this part of the yeah, podcast, just give us a, yeah, our Instagram or our end. email. Yeah. Give us something that just says, Hey, I, I was there. All. Yeah, I was there. Hey, yeah, I was there. Message us the word fish. Just that, just the word fish. Perfect. And I want Nylander, if he's listening, or anybody that knows Nylander, that anybody that knows somebody who even knows of Nylander, <laughs> I want you to reach out to me and tell me I'm wrong. I want you to, and I challenge Nylander. I would love to see the kid play hockey in the Toronto market because I think he's perfect for Toronto. At his full capacity. Oh. Let him give his full talent to Toronto, right? Yeah. That's what you're looking for. I would love That's all you're that. asking for. That's and I need to hear about. Let me know. If Maybe I'm we'll right. see if we can get him there. Well, there Dean, you go. there's your new task. Uh, challenge oh, him by we, giving him a we copy do of this. it, Dean. Yeah. Right there, delegation. It, Dean. He's definitely yeah. going to run this yeah. company one day, right? There, we you watch. <laughs> are going to delegate Dean to get Nylander. See, it works perfectly. Oh, I, love it. Uh, I wonder love if Nylander it. fishes. Does anybody know if he goes fishing? Does he I go fishing? doubt it. I don't think you so. figure. Yeah. Oh my! God. Might mess his hair up a it little might bit. Mess, he might have to break into a sweat. He's going to be on a boat sweating. Are you kidding me? The guy can play an entire game of hockey without 
dropping a one bead of sweat. <laughs> okay, okay, good Impossible point. Impossible for him to like fish. Good point. <laughs> He's in air-conditioned indoors all the time. Um, I want to thank everybody who made this a very memorable program, and I'm one that I'm dying to listen to as soon as it goes up. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, special sure. thanks to the folks here at Lodge 88 for putting up uh, with us in a non-fishing day. Wow, podcast day. Podcast all, day. All the way through. Um, Mason Hoogers, uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, more. And, and sticking with us this whole and time. sticking with us and also for uh, uh, coming out on the water with us. That's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, all of you listening, putting up with a two-hour and two-minute version of this Come show. On, really? That's, uh, this might Come be a new now. record. Thank you. No, we did three hours with Reno. Oh, we did three hours? Three hours with Reno. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. That's a long time. That's episode five. Can if you, you got a lot of time. Do you have insane. any historical um, uh, audience numbers of that? Uh, by any chance? Do they yeah, stay Yeah, there's with a reason it? we typically keep them at 120. <laughs> <laughs> That's the <a> sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dean. Well said, which buddy. Means, which means if Nylander and Kessel were listening to the show, they, they, they dropped out 40 minutes ago. So we're good. <laughs> We're good. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. I'm Andrew Bell. He is Peter Bowman. We've got Nikki V, and we've got, of course, the lovely, the talented Dean Taylor on the board, as usual. Uh, we'll catch you next time, folks. Take care. What do football, hockey players, boxers, and fishing guys have in common? A love for the outdoors. I'm Jamie Pastilli, a fishing guide with a lifetime of experience chasing down some of North America's most sought-after species with some of the world's most interesting characters. On Outdoor Journal Radio's Tackle Box podcast, I'm joined by one of those people, CFL legend Brad Sinopoli as we share stories and talk to the athletes who found their passion through hunting and fishing. World Heavyweight Champion Tyson Fury, they brought you in to spar this big animal. I had a rod, so I just randomly brought it to Colorado. It got me hooked up on some beautiful fish on those big rivers. And it was uh, you know, some of my best memories of you know, my hockey, during my hockey career. So join Jamie and I every week on the Tackle Box for a behind-the-scenes look at some of your favorite athletes and angling personalities. From hits to tangles, passes and dangles, the Tackle Box has your sports and angling listening covered. Find the Tackle Box now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Back in 2016, Frank and I had a vision to amass the single largest database of muskie angling education material anywhere in the world. Our dream was to harness the knowledge of this amazing community and share it with passionate anglers just like you. Thus... The Ugly Pike Podcast was born and quickly grew to become one of the top fishing podcasts in North America. Step into the world of angling adventures and embrace the thrill of the catch with the Ugly Pike Podcast. Join us on our quest to understand what makes us different as anglers and to uncover what it takes to go after the infamous fish of 10,000 casts. The Ugly Pike Podcast isn't just about fishing. It's about creating a tight-knit community of passionate anglers who share the same love for the sport. Through laughter, through camaraderie, and an unwavering spirit of adventure, this podcast will bring people together. Subscribe now and never miss a moment of our angling adventures. Tight lines, everyone. Find Ugly Pike now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts.